Hey, this is Italia Ricci, a Silver Banshee from Supergirl, and you're listening to Geek Pride Podcast. Good evening, everybody. Matt Geary for the Geek Pride Cast on this Sunday evening. Uh, with me, we have another guest. Um, but as always, we have uh, Peter Ray Allison. Hey, how you doing, everyone? John Joe Cosgrove, not in the flesh today. I'm sorry, Matt, but good evening, everybody. <laughs> uh, Josh Varney. Hello. And newbie to the podcast. She lurks in the darkness. She she comments with things on Twitch. It's Eleanor Mean. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> <laughs> giggle, giggle. And our guest tonight, we have... Erica Sanderson, welcome. Hello. Hi there. <laughs> you were subjected to a, a long period of um, Geek Pride pre-podcast madness. So I hope <laughs> uh, I hope you're okay after that. And uh, my uh, apologies. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> it's hazing. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, first things first, Erica, who are you? What are you doing here? What are you up to? What What's going on? <laughs> oh, that's a lot of stuff, really, isn't it? Um, well, my name's Erica, and um, I was invited along to Geek Pride by uh, John Joe, who very kindly got in touch with me. Hello. Uh, hello. Can you say hello? Um, <laughs> and uh, I am predominantly a voice actor, and I believe he knows my work through uh, the No Sleep podcast, which is uh, a weekly horror anthology show. And uh, so that's that's kind of what I do. So I spend a lot of my time recording a variety of different sort of stuff. Um, uh, what am I doing here? Uh, who, who knows? Who Nobody knows paid the ransom. Um, and yeah, basically, John Joe bribed me with like being able to talk stuff about Star Wars. So oh, yeah. oh you see, what, see why, he, why he's that, done that? That was, that was it. See why he's is, done Matt. that? That why he's done that is because he, you no doubt take his side on a specific topic, which he gets he gets attacked on quite <laughs> well, regularly. Did, you see, so he needed backup. You're a I ringer. I listened to one of your previous episodes, and I was like making notes, going like, "Oh, really? <laughs> you listened to one of our previous episodes, and you still." came on <laughs> Pete I can see me and you taking the back seat of this episode right? like it's, this is this is going to kick off <laughs> oh, we've got a we've got a it's, it's, it's like me and Matt actually have a referee this time as well <laughs> <laughs> well yeah maybe uh, we've got a message on uh, on Facebook uh, Kyler Kelly um, saying what's this about not my first time seeing this well yeah this this isn't among us this is this is the geek pride cast this is one of their other things that we do because you know we're, we're sophisticated and we talk about shit and stuff and that's what we're gonna do <laughs> we <laughs> multimedia <laughs> we talk about a lot stuff. of pies many fingers <laughs> uh also i think eleanor has a um an interesting point she would like to make about star wars uh, along oh, the lines no. Of, of of Darth Jar Jar or something like or something like that, which I would be no, interested. I have I, jokes about that. But... You have jokes, but now you're going to have to talk about it because that's that's what you're here for. You know, you, you sit there, you're on Twitch, you spout off, and then you're here. So I'm being called out. Like I'm such a troll, but no, it's one of those things where I discovered the Darth Jar Jar theory, <laughs> and it's so funny to me. 
<laughs> but also that. helps me get through Jar Jar. Like, <laughs> well, it kind of stops out had a joke. It's like it's like a joke that just I keep joking about to a point now. It's just not ironic anymore. <laughs> it's just. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll move on to the Star Wars debate slightly there. Eric is here to sort of you know as uh, as the main guest, so we should really talk about her for a bit. So we'll we'll do we'll do that first. So the the horror podcast, no sleep. Mm. You know what what is it? Just sort of have you got specific genres you talk about? Because one of the guys who used to do a lot of Geek Pride stuff, uh, Dave Foy, um, he is massively into his horror, uh, like massively into his horror. Uh, so he's going to be gutted he's not here. But um, what what sort of thing is it? Any specific type of genre, or is it all horror? What, what's the score? Oh my goodness, yeah, it's um, No Sleep in particular is uh, is a horror anthology show. So it started. Um, back in about 2011, um, based off the Reddit No Sleep, where people submit their own um, horror stories. And a group of people decided, oh, will it be fun to kind of do this as like a podcast? And it was all first person narrative. So one person, one microphone. And it sort of took off from there. And the guy kind of uh, who became responsible for the show, David Cummings, who is just amazing and brilliant, generous man, absolutely wonderful, incredibly talented. Um has kind of grown it over we're on season 15 now um and it's now uh fully uh audio dramatized so it's kind of moved away through the progression of several years from one person one mic talking about like uh campfire radio into more old school miss radio style so everything is fully dramatized we have a repertory company of about 30 actors worldwide um we have several amazing producers who put together um all of the sound effects and all the editing and everything that makes it sound like um you know we're talking i do all of my work remotely and we've done a few live tours and when i went over to the states when we could still travel and meet people um <laughs> in the before times um i went on tour a couple of years ago and people were like say like, oh wow so what's it like being flown over to record your lines it's like really i i kind of just sit in the corner of my kids playroom with a microphone and um i do all of my stuff remotely so i'm playing a variety of characters playing opposite different people and quite often i don't even hear what they're doing until it's all put together um so it's kind of grown into this um full-on audio experience and and yeah so that's that's no sleep and the writing the genres oh my goodness they do everything from like first person sort of campfire stuff to full on body horror you've got um uh, ghost stories stories about um the fae uh recurring characters in some of them so some of the writers have created um like there's a there's a fantastic uh, vampire series known as the summer series um and and the writers uh, have come some of them have come from uh, the no sleep reddit forum and then others come by through submission um and yeah it's just it's a brilliant community the horror community is brilliant it's absolutely brilliant their fans are amazing fans uh, are absolutely amazing have you got anything um have you got anything sort of sorted for halloween i the halloween scripts are we tend to work about two to three weeks in advance so the halloween scripts will have been worked on 
Um, I'm not sure if they've been sent out yet. Uh, I had I had a couple of whisperings um, a couple of weeks ago that there would be something coming out very, very, very soon regarding Halloween. But um, for Halloween, is that we tend to do specials as well. So you'll get the regular episode that comes out weekly. And one of those will be around about Halloween time. And then usually on Halloween itself, they try and do like a special bonus one as well. So they're, they're, yeah, Halloween's a very, very busy time. And because I personally end up by doing other horror shows as well, I've been doing a few other scripts for other shows and people are going, oh, we need this special for Halloween. Can you record this for us? So, yeah, I've been doing I've been doing a bit of that recently. How long does it take to produce an episode of uh, No Sleep? Um, it, the turnaround is usually about a week. Um, when i when i first started and now it's it's got a very very it's a bigger machine with with clockwork we have um we have story editors who select the stories we've then got coordinator who casts it the scripts then go out the lines are then recorded and then it is fed to um one of three or four producers sometimes to put it together and then we have an amazing composer uh, brandon boone award-winning composer who does all of the music for us and he does all of that so to produce one episode is usually about a week when I first started I think my turnaround for lines was about 72 hours so who, that I had directs, three days to record who directs it is it up to you then to basically you know the way it turns up to them do they tur- do they ever sort of send you back stuff and go we kind of want it to sound like this or is it literally just up to yourself it's a little bit of both. I mean, usually um, it's the producers, so the people who are cutting and editing it, they were the ones who have more of a sort of directorial view overview. Um, as an actor, we all work remotely. And what we tend to do is usually you'll provide about two or three takes on a line. Um, if you're doing main narration, you tend to do that in a block and you just tend to do more of a straight read. If you're doing uh, dialogue, I tend to give about uh, three readings of a line and you trust that that one of those will will match in context so it sounds like a proper conversation so you might either give different inflections or you might increase the emotion because you don't quite know where where they'll want the scene to sound or go to and then if we really cock it up we'll get a message going can you do this again <laughs> but there's been some episodes which have um Obviously, the average length is around about 20, 30 minutes for a lot of them. But then there's been one, uh, actually a couple of my favourite stories, the um, Seaside British Pub and Return oh. to Seaside British Pub, which um, oh. the second one was about two and a half hours long. Which, that was uh, the season finale. Yeah, that was a really <laughs> special one. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm assuming that must have been an, a nightmare, especially if you are doing multiple takes. And that is a long story to get through. I got that because that was the season finale, and it was uh, there were other characters there were other characters in it, but I would say probably about sixty seventy percent is just me talking. Um, with that one, I think I got that one about a month in advance, and the way it was written, it was actually written by Caitlin in into chapters. So I said, right, this is how I'm going to do it. I'll record a chapter, send it to you. It can be started to be worked on in in the background and then I, I will do that week by week um but yeah that one was that one was a bmf but such a beautiful <laughs> beautiful story um how, yeah yeah how did you get into voice acting um my background is theater that was where i i trained i trained in i actually trained in musical theater um but i've always been a, a, a stage actor um and after i graduated from drama school i was on tour doing a variety of things for about 10 years 
um and then sort of my personal life sort of changed um I ended up by looking after a, a family member and then I also got married and I started a family and I knew I couldn't really do um you know buggering off around the country for six months on end at a time I knew I couldn't do that anymore so I started to look into how can I sort of sidestep and I was working on a theatre show at the time and um, anyone who's regular with No Sleep probably has heard this story many times over but my sort of uh, partner in crime is a wonderful wonderful actor called David Alt and um, who's a massive Whovian fan as well so if you like Doctor Who definitely definitely get him on to, to talk about stuff um and I was working in a theatre show with him and I just happened to be talking to him and I said you know I'm looking I'm looking at getting into to, to voice work <clears throat> and he said oh I do this I do this horror show and this this was kind of before no just before no sleep sort of skyrocketed and he said oh I do this I do this kind of horror podcast weekly shows and they they're kind of wanting to get another British female voice artist so I'll, I'll mention your name so I got uh I got a message through from um David Cummings who's responsible for the No Sleep podcast and he was actually a guest producer on another show and he sent me the script and said can you turn this around in two weeks it's a single person narration story I've been asked to do another show can you can you do this and it was a it was a it was a short story um I reckon that was probably my audition so I recorded that sent it off and then a few weeks later, um, scripts for No Sleep started to come through and I was paired up as David Alt's wife. And then the scripts just kept coming. And then it was a case of, um, could you do, could you do, do you do any accents at all? Mm. And, um, you know, I think we need like a Russian granny. Do you reckon you could do that? Yeah, okay, I can do that. <laughs> do, that. Do, do, a a Russian Russian do your Russian <laughs> granny. Uh, well, my darling, it's probably, you know, you have to, if you're doing an older person, I tend to try and get a crack in the voice uh, and you get a little bit of shakiness I, going on there as well. I think I need to take notes, you see, because we've got a D&D campaign every Thursday and I, I, I basically can do sort of Northern Irish, a, a female version of Northern Irish slightly higher version of Northern Irish and maybe Scottish or Yorkshire and that's kind of a, probably about my repertoire. <laughs> oh, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do a semi-Russian type one uh, as well. But I've, been trying to, I've been trying to do a Russian accent for Draken and it kind of keeps forgetting it. So I kind of yo-yo between Russia and Yorkshire. <laughs> <laughs> see, oh, now, I can't if you are If you are from the northeast, you see, you'd probably like the pub stories that John Joe was talking about because that's where my dad's family are from, see. And um, the pub stories are set... In the northeast, so you might where like. About, where about the northeast? Well, it's um, it's allegedly set in Scarborough, but my dad's family come from a little bit further north, which is where. Okay. Kind I'm of from where... originally Middlesbrough, so I know Scarborough quite well. Yeah, hmm. well, my dad's from Loftus. Where's I? Loftus. Oh, I know that. Yeah. So yes, that's <laughs> where I used to spend childhood, uh, childhood holidays up up there, up there with my dad's family. I'd love, I, I always had a sort of, um, like, I had this, like, many, many, many moons ago, we did this, like, competition uh, for Geek Pride. This was, like, the first, one of the first couple of years we were, we, we had started, and it was, like, a, a create-your-own-zombie survival sort of story, and, and you had to base it on uh, four fictional characters and yourself, so it could be anybody, like, so we had one of the guys, he had, like, 
uh, like uh, B.A. Baracus from the A-Team and, you know, had sort of like, you know, really random things and stuff like, and uh, they were like, I, I, I was like, oh, I'd love to do sort of um, audio versions of this, get people in, you know, from Geek Pride to do sort of different ones and have like a podcast, but it never, it never came about, especially considering mine was 14 pages long and uh, it, <laughs> it was just like, yeah, I think, yeah, it's not going to happen. I would love to do something like that. That was, it sounds like so much fun. Unfortunately, my acting capabilities are very minimal <laughs> and I, I, you know there's a lot more talented people than me than me so what kit do you need for voice acting what kit yeah um a a microphone and a decent um audio interface um the first thing people sort of say when about uh, getting into voice work or voice acting is my my first thing is always learn to act really <laughs> uh, um a, a lot of people think it's either just just reading or doing silly voices um but i think you you, you get to know the people who are very very good and it is it is a craft I, I i believe it's a it's a craft and you do have to work at it but you know i started out um the very first thing that i recorded was um hey i got a a road microphone sort of like a, a podcasting kit so i got a, a road nt1a and um little scar interface which i still use actually i've still got the same i've still got my original mic i'll just lean this in for people who want to see it. it's my little microphone there oh, nice. so that's so that's that's the microphone that i've got and then i've got a little um a little uh, interface box um and i started i started with audacity and i started in my dining room uh underneath the duvet on a clothes horse <laughs> <laughs> literally with a duvet like this huddled over and and with 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 my script and trying not to make noise with the pages and it was all a little bit like oh and that's how I started and then gradually um I've mainly kept with the same microphone um I've moved on from audacity I tend to record now using uh, a system called reaper and then as you can probably see I've got these I've got this board behind me which just kind of makes because um I I'm in a, a different corner of the house now and it's mainly where my kids play. So I've just kind of shut myself off and I can kind of enclose myself. Um, so yeah, you kind of need to treat the space that you're working in so that you can deaden the sound as much as possible. Um, and yeah, they're decent microphone, something to record with and yeah, the uh, skill. The, uh, the, the couple of like my, my bands, um, you know, I I don't sing or anything, but my, we, when we go to record our our, our stuff, um, there's like a box for the singers to go, and it's basically a closet filled with um, obviously foam on the walls and stuff, and it's yep. tiny. If there's enough room for you and a microphone and maybe a screen, and that's that's about it. <laughs> um, I was gonna say, obviously, a lot of the work that you do, Erica, is horror based, but um, yeah. you did actually tell me that um. You know, you're you're not exactly the you you your horror isn't your go-to. Let's just say this, this is quite so amazing. When, when you when you hear someone say, "Oh, you know, I do I do a horror podcast," and you think, "Oh, you know, you must be really into that," because obviously yeah. to get into some of them stories to re delve into it, and then um, yeah. I, I got a message saying, "Yeah, I'm not a big horror. Uh, what really? Um, I I'm, no, I'm just I'm just I'm just a big wuss, really." 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> I get, I get scared too easily. Are you? What are we talking about? Because like my 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 girlfriend is literally she jumps at like the worst things. Like the, you know everything makes her jump whatsoever. She oh, refuses to watch horror films. We tried to watch it part one with her, and she got about halfway through oh, and refused to watch any more of it. <laughs> Oh, he's so okay. mean. <laughs> so, uh, I, I, my, my husband does enjoy horror films, and um, October is always every night is a spooky film for him. He he absolutely loves it, and I infuriate him because as soon as as soon as we go, on, I'm like this with my phone. I'm like this with my phone, and he's going, "What do you do? Are you on IMDb? Maybe." And then he'll watch me, and I like take my glasses off and like surreptitiously hide behind a cushion. He went. Is there a jump scare coming up? Is there a scary being coming? Maybe. Have you been reading the plots on my MDB? Yeah. <laughs> or I'll just, or I'll just go. I'm just going to the bathroom. Just going to the toilet, darling. And he goes, <laughs> pause it. No, no, no. It's fine. You just carry on. You just carry on. And he knows because I read. I have to read the plot lines ahead. Um. And oh my goodness. Oh yes. The most. This was my big confession to Jojo. Um. A couple. A weeks ago, we were watching um, the the remake of Halloween, or the, oh, yeah. the newest one. With Jamie Sorry. Lee Curtis, yeah. Yeah, 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 the new one, but with Jamie Lee Curtis. We got about at least a third of the way, possibly nearly halfway through this film. And um, Michael Myers is, 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 is there. Um, as an adult and he's like he's been uh, spoilers uh, he's been like released from prison and things and um, I I was sitting there and I was on the sofa and I went hang on why is he a grown-up I thought isn't he meant to be like the ghost of a dead kid from a lake or something my husband immediately puts in Paul and go oh my god no <laughs> Jason wrong bad no. guy <laughs> no and I was like who you're thinking of Jason, the one with the hockey mask. Is that not him then? No. <laughs> yeah, a, that was my big thing to get. I've not seen either of those. <gasps> I'm well, really the, not the, a the horror originals, fan. The like, I can appreciate creepy stuff. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not a fan of like the general horror genre. Um, <laughs> but do you know what? The Haunting of Hill House is the first serious horror thing that I've been like. That was mind-blowingly good it was, really i enjoyed. thought it was a good series but i wasn't bar some jump scares i wasn't i didn't find it as scary as i thought i would uh, oh I, but it's not about jump scares is it it's, it's all psychological chilling, yeah it's yeah. that's why i found it so good well, yeah, I see, I, I, one of the writers one of the writers from no sleep was one of the staff writers on that ck walker oh, seriously okay. wow. Yes. wow oh she goes by a different name now rebecca i think she goes she's known by us as ck walker but i think for haunting she was known um as rebecca klingle all right okay. oh, so yes okay. mike, Flan mike wow. flanagle is a huge fan of hers he even guested on no sleep as well because he likes the show all right no well really yeah no that, mm -hmm. that series was so good and i'm so happy because it's the next the second season's out now i think i saw the last episode i saw the first I haven't, episode last i haven't started it don't say anything. No, 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 I won't. I won't, I won't. <laughs> what? I so excited. What's the second one called? What's the second um, one? Haunting a Blind Manor. Oh, right. All right, so I, I've seen some advert with some girl playing with a dollhouse, and I was just like... Yeah, oh, the yeah. girl, the little girl is actually Peppa Pig. That's the voice actress <laughs> of Peppa Pig. Oh, really? Right. All right. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I... I, I like psychological like back in the day like old school horror films like The Exorcist and uh, um and Halloween and and Friday the Thirteenth and stuff used to scare shit out of me but when you go back and watch them now 
just like these are super tame even like my girlfriend who's super jumpy at everything we watched the exorcist and it didn't really bother her that much it's just because like old school horror doesn't really have the same weight um as it does now whereas like stuff that really gets me is the stuff that plays with your head and you have to think about it Mm, like you know like what you know um what one was it the worst one of the worst parts in the horror film for me and i don't even like the horror film but it's just that part is the part in um uh what's it called um the one where they're in the house and there's all the polter it's not poltergeist it's uh paranormal 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 activity the bit where she gets dragged out of bed it literally just drags her out of the bed screaming down the hall and that literally just sent me under i just couldn't sleep and i don't believe in ghosts or anything but it, it, that sent me under and stuff and it was just like oh man and it, it, it's things like that that really I really think everyone me. i think everyone has a fear though of having their sleep interrupted by something scary right is that not just like a human nature <laughs> yeah, thing i think so right well, I, so I think there's, there's a condition called sleep paralysis this is... oh and that uh, of course <laughs> um which is which is bloody terrifying. I had it for years. And yeah, that is a very kind of intense fear, I think. There, so, there's a ghost yeah. story about that. I I, um, I heard as a kid, and it's about a guy, he goes into a house and there, he basically gets woken up by a blue face um, and he can't move. And this blue face basically just oh, looks at him the whole time. Uh, and I, I just sort of... Say again? The night hag, I think. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's basically an urban myth, like you no, know, this night hag is like rests on your stomach and prevents you from moving. Sleep paralysis, and it's like it's her draining your life essence or some or yeah. some stuff. Yeah, well, it's just like yeah. There was, I, I was sort of I was thinking about this like old school, even the old old school sort of ghost stories are pretty lame. Like I was, I remember sort of telling um, uh, my ex's uh, kid uh, some ghost stories a couple of years back, and I was telling her the one about the tailie poo. And have you ever heard of the story about the tailie poo before? No. <laughs> this is gonna sound really lame this is gonna sound really lame but at the time when you're a kid it's super scary but basically um listen you're talking to someone who was scared of the fucking mumbles right like it was the moomins oh they were freaky though the moomins are pretty freaky (laughs) they're pretty scary the most scariest use of fuzzy felt ever known to mankind they were really (laughs) They just have don't, these... don't say that because um that's that's since my since my little sister was a baby that was m- the nickname I gave her was Moomin and um it wasn't until she watched the cartoon so many years later she said to me you you call me a bloody hippo adorable you call me fat no I said it's, it was something adorable it was a, and um and the problem is is that she has you know lean to it a few times and i remember a christmas a few years ago i actually did buy her um a moomin plush toy she opened it up and no lie if looks could kill i think i would have been dead within a second <laughs> literally it's just like daggers coming from the eyes as i uh yeah. so he's supposed to be something nice um yeah, uh, so, film, so horror... it's socks for you for the next yeah. foreseeable future. Oh, I don't, even, I don't even get socks. I don't even get that. You know, mm. um, I, I I think I'm lucky if I see a card, and even then, it was just like a bit of paper that was like folded in half. It's like, a, <laughs> yeah, um, it's a macaroni. Yeah. In it. There you go. Yeah, yeah, something. Like um, <laughs> but saying about like horror stuff, the the horror that I always felt really affected me was the ones where you could believe it could be true. So, um, yeah. stuff like 
uh, you know, Silence of the Lambs is still one of my favourite horror films of all time. Because really um, it, it's, it? it's more psychological, yeah. But um, but I like those. But they are my kind of films that I like more. Um, or even yeah, it, like just something that you feel could be possible. Even you know, I, I know they got really tedious, but the first Saw movie that was one yeah, of them kinds of that was really good. Watching it, you really think like, oh god, you know, couldn't this watch could it, happen. Couldn't watch it. Can't do gore. Oh, can't do gore. Yeah. I could. I watched half of it. Was eating some fried chicken and decided I wasn't hungry anymore and refused to watch it anymore. And so I can't oh, deal with it, man. Yeah. I, it, it was. I mean, despite the gore, it was incredibly well written. I mean, that's what gets me in a horror film is like the quality of writing, and that's mm. why I still say Dog Soldiers. Awesome. Oh, fantastic film. film. It is. A, it is a horror film, yeah. but the focus is on the soldiers. Yeah. rather than the werewolves and basically they said like it's not a, a werewolf movie with soldiers it's a soldier movie but i hope werewolf. i give you the fucking shits that sounds good <laughs> it's good. really, really, really you've good. never heard of dog it's soldiers no oh man Six it's soldiers awesome. on maneuvers in the scottish highlands the guy who that does um, sound that's you got Kevin, the guy played mckid yeah kevin mckid who played he was john pertwee yeah. and uh, oh, captain yes. hitchy wells yeah uh, it's got the guy so who played the Onion Knight in uh, I can't remember his name from Game of Thrones. Oh, Liam Cunningham. Devils. Oh, yes, yeah, he's Ian in Cunningham. Yeah. 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 So, so where is that? Is that like on Netflix or? or what? I don't know. It's so good. The thing is, it's British. It's, it's British horror, so there's a bit of humor in it, and there's some really good bits in it. Like it's scary, but it's like there's some good humor parts in it as well. Yeah, it's a nice balance. It's a good nice balance. balance. So it takes the edge off it ever so slightly, but yeah, it's just really <laughs> good. Yeah. With most horrors, um, though, the, the, the horror films that were out, like, in the 80s, uh, like, early 80s, uh, early 90s, I mean, you'd take Aliens or the Alien uh, trilogy. We won't really yeah. go into Alien Resurrection because I still believe it doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> you, you you take Alien. Um, the first time, you know, spoilers, um, when the cast didn't know the chestburster scene was going to happen and yeah. the actual reactions in the room is their actual reactions to what's going on. It's just pitch perfect. And most people see that as a horror. Then I was introduced to Aliens first. I never saw the first film. I saw Aliens first. Uh, this sounds Still really weird. There we go. Literally, I was I was introduced to the director's cut version before I even knew there was a cinematic one where bits were cut out, and you know I when I was I think I was eleven and twelve when I first saw Aliens, and um, I yeah I I was introduced to action quite early, and I thought it was the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. You know, with things crawling around and things that attached onto the ceilings, fantastic. Watch it now. It is one of the best action films with horror in it that um, you'll ever see. And then you're on about The Exorcist, one of the best comedic films I've ever sat down to watch <laughs> in my entire life. Yeah, because it... so, some of the some of the dialogue is just who the hell wrote this? I mean, you know, let fuck you, you know, let Jesus fuck you, you know. Who the hell writes this? I mean, this is funny as hell. Yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't age well. It hasn't aged well. A lot of those sort of 70s, sort of early 80s uh, horror films, just that they haven't aged, aged well. The only sort of film, sort of uh, 99, was it possibly? Like, or was it 95? Uh, Event Horizon. That is a good horror film. Mm. And that is just sci-fi horror at its best. And it's just, it freaked me out. Absolutely well, freaked me out. combination. It's a combination of Hellraiser. It is, yeah, sort of thing. But it's it's just it's really really. It's got um, what's his name? Uh, New Zealand. Sean Neil. 
John Pertwee, John, Sam Neill. Sam Neill's, yeah. It's Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne, yeah. And it's freaky. And it's just, you know, that, uh, and I like the Blair Witch Project. I thought that was really mm. good. You know, I just sort of, you didn't like it, Pete. Really? Absolutely <laughs> hated it. Because I'm jumping up and down, shouting at the video, going, what do you think you do? Why can't you read him? What do you mean you're going into the, <laughs> in the jungle, into the, yeah. being able to I, read him? That's sort of and thing's I just... why I hate horror, generally. <laughs> that, that whole thing of just yes. stupidity and characters, that and kind of thing. Stupidity is being the best way to put it. Well, I, I, I would like I would like to point out that I run a D and D group, and uh, we had a game <laughs> where they had to, they had to infiltrate a town. The whole thing was they're going to infiltrate a town, and what was the first thing they did was just walk up the main street, just fully they... as they were and stuff. So it's just like oh, I no. think people just sort of do, you know they have all these intentions, but they're idiots and they do stuff. And, and well, to be fair, one was a seven foot tall half man, half dragon, and the other is like you know a six foot tall warforged. They don't exactly do subtle; they do stand doubted by their very nature. I know, but it's just like I think it's one of those things. Like human beings are in- inherently, you know, stupid, and they do stupid things. So I can accept yeah, people doing things like that because I've seen it happen. So it's just you Blair, know. Witch, Blair Witch Project, though, kind of killed it for any, you know, like the the first person view. Of uh, a horror film. I mean, I went to see it in the cinema, and everybody's like, "Ooh, suspension!" As soon as she's, you know, um, I like to, you know, say sorry to Mike's mom, my mom. One guy in the cinema, and you know, everybody is pitch quiet. You know, it's pitch black, and you know, everybody's quiet. And this guy goes, "Somebody get that laser tissue!" Which killed it for me. I was like, "Well, there you go." <laughs> they did that. Uh, they rec- they filmed that without them knowing about it. So they basically made them camp in the woods, and then everything that happened to them was was sort of like real. It was so the crew playing tricks on them. Yeah, yeah. so the crew so would play would... tricks on, so they would actually feel, you know. So when she was doing that scene, she was shitting herself. Actually, <laughs> she was she was not impressed. Like I saw a documentary on it; it was really well done. The whole thing when the guy went missing is because they basically made him go missing and stuff, so they didn't know. And the the reactions are, you know. Or, or actual reaction so that's why i like it because it was really it you didn't really see Different. anything it was very it was very real and i come from an allegedly haunted area in northern ireland you know sort of you know and i broke down well my i got a puncture basically after seeing it came back got a puncture in my car outside the building where they used to hang people and <laughs> <laughs> in the village I'm at, and I'm just sitting there bricking it because I'm trying to change this tire and uh, get home. And that whole thing was just playing off in my head. And I was like, yeah, that's a good horror film because it's just playing in my mind. Has anyone watched uh-huh. Ringu, by the way? What? No. What's what? Ringu, the Japanese uh, horror film. Um, the, it wasn't as oh, a ring in the yeah, UK. The ring. Yes. the ring. It wasn't just the ring in the UK, but uh, Ringu. Um, yeah. I watched that the first time at a mate's house on a dodgy VHS cassette. <laughs> I then walked home by myself in the dark, and I can tell you I have never run so fast in all my life. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, again, it's just pure atmosphere. That film just absolutely exudes atmosphere. And I'm trying to think. I so, quite liked, um, what's it called? Uh Jeepers Creepers for the first half of it until it turned into an actual monster. I actually yeah. thought that was pretty good, and then it sort of lost its edge slightly because it wasn't. It was sort of uh, it turned into sort of a, a horror film and stuff. I mean, sort of a monster film. But yeah, I thought that was that was pretty good. 
The second one is great, and the director's audio commentary on Jeepers Creepers 2 is some of the funniest... It, it, kind of, it does take you out to the fact that it's a horror film. Um, the director's commentary is some of the funniest things um, you can listen to by you know, watching the film. And if you do have Jeepers Creepers 2, you know, some of us still have DVDs, um, watch it with the director's commentary on, and you'll laugh all the way through it. They go on about how um, they wanted to put it towards KFC... Um, with wings because there's a scene where I don't know what it was but it had wings and the director goes a big bucket a bucket of and he goes big fucking wings so they can... <laughs> okay <laughs> what a great way to make everyone who's feeling uneasy about a film start laughing at your horror film yeah the the, so, yeah. Be, the best sort of horror film I've seen I, I didn't mind it I haven't seen the second part actually but um, I didn't mind it but uh, the best horror film I've seen recently would have been two or three years ago was ghost stories um by your man nyman um who did league of gentlemen and um he does all of darren brown's stage shows and things like that um and it is it's three story and i did a i did a a very prolonged article about it because it's really if you ever seen have you ever seen a film called the babadook it's an Australian yes, horror yes. film called I've The Babadook. Yeah. yeah, I heard of it. Um, uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, it's freaky as fuck. Like it, it's pretty scary, but it's got it's one of these things which has a sort of end where you're like, "What the fuck just happened?" Like you don't understand, and part of you thinks that that's you know you kind of go, "Well, that's shit." I don't understand because you don't understand it, but then it clicks, and then you go, "Oh my god, that's absolutely genius." the ending of it because it means something else but it's the same three the um, ghost stories is about three it's three ghost stories it's about your man Nyman I can't remember his first name um, but is it Bill Nyman possibly um, but he um, is a he's a skeptic and he doesn't believe in ghosts and he's going to each uh, he's going to um, is it Paul Whitehouse from the uh, the Fast Show? Is it Paul Whitehouse? Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. A, uh, and he, he goes to him and he's a night watchman and he tells him a story about what he's witnessed and it, it goes into that story and and it's scary. And then it's got another one about this kid who basically he's having trouble and you know he goes for a drive in the forest and then suddenly something happens. I'll not tell you because it's it's pretty fucking good. There's a, an amazing bit in it. I. <laughs> I can't tell you because but there's just a bit in it and he you know what his his reaction to it is amazing uh and then there's a third one um uh and it's just so good it's got um oh he played he played bilbo baggins uh martin freeman's Fre- 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 yeah. in it yeah martin freeman's in it uh and it's just so so scary in an old school sort of way like it, it made me feel like a, ch- a kid again being told these ghost stories because it was all like the, the way it was sort of um, uh, the way it was sort of kind of shown and the way it was explained and everything, and it, and it had a, it was interspersed with all these sightings. So he kept on see, he keeps on seeing these weird things himself, and then it's got this bit at the end, and it's just it just blows everything out of the water. But it's got a deeper meaning behind it. And at the time, my girlfriend, uh, um, so my ex girlfriend, we were uh, going to see it. She was like, "That was shit. I don't understand. That was a really bad end. I was really enjoying it until that ver- that ending." And I sat there and I was like, I don't know. And then I went back and I thought about it and I went, yeah, that's genius. That's absolutely genius. And then I, I wrote a massive article about it. Um, but I would highly recommend it. But it's got a massive, massive, massive curveball at the end. So just 
be be um, be mindful, but it's so so good, so 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 so. Good. I love things that are so thought provoking, and after hours afterwards, just still thinking about it, like oh my god, yeah. I well, love that so much. Well, what's the it's one of the reasons why uh, horror works so well for for audio is because that all of the really really bad stuff, you know, nothing's more scary than your own imagination. Exactly. exactly. So mm, yeah. when when you're hearing it, it's like you know some of the stuff that I get to do is uh, is, is brilliant. I get to really freak yeah. out. <laughs> do you, do you freak yourself out sometimes? Stuff, <laughs> I have done. I have done. It was one of the very, very early stories. I think it was like the second story that I did, and there was um, in it there was a description of uh, it was a, the stories about a, a couple in the house and weird things happen, and um, it was the sound of like scratching at the door, and I had to, and because I was the narrator, I had this description of these elongated fingers and the nails coming underneath the door and like raking the floorboards and and just describing that scene kind of freaked me out and i had to go to bed with the light on that night <laughs> out of curiosity have you ever had to kind of turn down uh, a script saying that no, i can't do this it's just too unsettling for me i haven't turned anything down yet there have been a few roles where as i said earlier i usually tend to do like a, a couple of takes where um i've done it once and mm. then i've had to turn off my mic and go i cannot do that i cannot do that again but that's normally not necessarily for for scary it's actually oh god this conversation is going quite serious we'll have to talk about something i'll talk about something <laughs> love. um but it, it's not if i'm perfectly honest it's normally to do with either um an emotional response yeah um yeah. so uh one character it was uh it was heavily implied i didn't actually have to talk about it but it was it was a girl who i was playing a young girl who had been raped and it's the scene where she's talking about her experiences to her father and oh, i just had to go and go no um and when you're playing roles like that you do have to there is a responsibility there as well so it was like you know i did it i did the scene and then i thought i cannot do that again I, I, I can't so I just I just turned it off and I sent the file off and, and, and that was it and there have been a couple of others um, obviously I'm a mum so there have been a couple of ones that involve children as well that have hit a little bit close to home and it's a bit like Whoo. or if I'm having to give um, a very emotional you know when I'm when I'm performing or when I'm recording if I'm having to kind of get myself worked up or getting a given the emotional thing like I'm, I'm crying or something it's like okay I, I need to I need to stop and walk away from this but um that's not necessarily being scared. That's more, I would say, an emotional response to the work that I'm doing. But I haven't turned, haven't turned mm. anything down. But I, I do have to say, I do kind of get this very, very evil sense of smug satisfaction when people particularly respond to certain creature voices that I've done and gone, <laughs> "You freak me the fuck out." And it's like, <laughs> could you give, could you give a please? <laughs> well, some people. Um, some people get really, really weirded out by. Uh, so I do, I do the old grannies and stuff. And um, uh, American kids. I do a lot of the kid voices. Right. And it's like, he, he, no, don't do that. He, look, mom says we can go down to the basement where there's some spare candy. Should we go and do that? And, um, or really kind of like creeping, creeping into people's uh, ears. Oh, God, what was it? There was, um, there was one voice in particular that was just this, um, this one woman and all she had to do is say like that she had the one word repeated over and over again or uh or a phrase which was it's not so bad it's not so bad <laughs> wow we totally need to get you in our D&D &D game at some point yeah. <laughs> and, um, how are you 
I'm glad you're not my grandmother. No. Sleep. Yes. During a lot of this lockdown, um, where I've been working, I've been working in um, various places in my job. So a lot of travel time, I have been obviously listening to um, No Sleep podcast, and you know it's it's quite a thing. At, you know, half seven, eight o'clock in the morning when you're you're putting on the show, and like like you say, you know, your imagination starts playing with you. And then, like, you know, there's a couple of times I've kind of, like, I've pulled up. It's like, right, I don't want to get out of the car now. I don't <laughs> feel it's safe. Um, I, I, feel, I feel I feel, quite worried for the day ahead. And it's like, you know, I've, I've gone into work a couple of times. And, you know, some of the, like you say, sometimes these stories do stick with you for a while. They do have a bit of an impact. They probably, probably, like, it was probably nothing even that would have really been to anyone else. But, like, you know, you, you go and you're like, why why is this still on my mind and like there's times like someone's talking to me and i go oh sorry sorry did you say something um yeah it's strange and like i say sitting in the car as well especially when you're when you're in a load of traffic and all of a sudden you've got about uh like a 50 meter gap in front of you and you've got cars beeping behind so oh shit yes carry on um and yeah it's 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 good that such a such a show can be that engaging, but at the same time, um, I've then had to restrict it to just listening to it at home because uh, I don't trust myself anymore in the car with it. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a lot of films out there that um, that kind of have the same effect. Once you've seen them, you kind of uh, look at your surroundings um, a yes, bit differently. Different. Like um, yeah. I watched um, Train to Busan um, recently because oh. I've never seen it. I've never seen it before, and. Um, one of the best horror films I've I've ever seen, and I've seen my fair share of uh, of zombie films. And every time I get on a train now, to, even if it's just a short distance from here to Cardiff or here to London, as soon as I get on the train, I'm like, right, exit, exit, somewhere to climb. <laughs> you know, you just keep looking around. Um, it's same with like high rise buildings. I think um, after I took uh, the kids' mum to see Attack the Block. Every time now we go into like a hotel, it's like a high rise building. She's she's looking around, looking at the doors, looking at the exit, thinking, "What are you doing?" She's like, "Exit strategy." <laughs> do, you, do you know that there is actually a sequel to it's Trenton terrible? Busan? It's yeah, terrible. I, I saw it a few weeks ago, and I was like, "This is, this is, this is bad." Um, Hashtag could... Alive is a lot better and could be a direct sequel to Train of Busan, which is on Netflix now, and I encourage everybody here. If you've not, if you've seen Train to Busan, go and watch hashtag Alive uh, when you get the chance because it is another um, South Korean horror film zombie, and it's just great. It's really, really great. Are there any other part? I, I, I'm trying to think of second films that are either equal to or better than the first. Uh, Terminator, Terminator, Aliens, Terminator Two, two yep. Aliens, Aliens. Uh, and and the Dark That's a um. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'll give you the book. I mean, Batman Begins, I absolutely love Batman Begins, but Dark Knight, I think, did it for me because the character portrayals were just so much more, you you were so much more invested in most of these parts because, you know, from the first film you start learning about them, but in the second part you really get to see them in action. And also, um, you know, they they gave Maggie Gyllenhaal the part of Rachel, so that definitely made that part a lot better. Um I can't take. I can't watch those. The new, as much as I like the new Batman, uh, the the new Nolan, the new the Nolan uh, Batman films. 
I can't take him seriously anymore because his, his voice has been parodied so much yeah. that that's all I hear is people taking the piss. So when he goes, I'm Batman, and I'm just like, uh, Which will kill me? Yeah, where is she? Where is she? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think because um, you know I think that was one thing that they did address when they had um, Ben Affleck's Batman because they gave him the the modulator in his in his cow that actually altered his voice, and I thought. That's actually quite a clever idea. Why didn't they do it? Of all the tech that was in the Dark Knight trilogy, why didn't they think, oh, let's give him some touch and manipulate his voice, not just make him go, oh, you will kill me. Um, And we might have a Ben Affleck Batman again, which is good. Yes, yes. Makes me happy. In the the Flash. Oh, my God. What was that? No, carry on. Go on. (laughs) There was a (laughs) going on there. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm among oh. geeks here. This isn't gonna. Be, I'm about to hang myself. But um, <laughs> I I mean I loved all three of the Christopher Nolan Batman films. Like oh, just loved them. But um, I've not seen any other Batman films since. I just I'm so sick oh. of Batman as a whole. Like, <laughs> and I used to be really been, into it. Technically, it's not I'm been so like a solo Batman. Yeah, it's not so, a yeah, Batman film. v Superman, which all right was more. Batman and didn't everything. see it and then you had Suicide Squad where he was literally in it for about two minutes and then Justice League um, <laughs> let's just hope the Snyder cuts better let's just say that I um, just haven't I'm so not interested in superhero stuff anymore which is crazy and I think that's purely because there is so much of it there's oh, yeah. just too much the I irony because like. you were a cosplayer as well <laughs> I know I've not seen I've not seen anything with Harley in how insane is that Matt like uh, she was my girl like do you, do you know what I, I'm I, not interested I, though I, I, I think like, I've told you I this just, before but you were the first sad. photograph I ever took at a convention really yes your your harley your harley quinn was the first ever photograph i took at a convention i don't I didn't think you'd taken any of my harley to be yeah. honest Whoa, the only this, ones i remember you taking confession. of me were the no. selena kyle ones ironically um, dark Knight rising stuff it so. was your it was your yeah. uh it was your harley meets selena kyle i think was it like did you oh yeah no that is the one i'm thinking of. yeah, yeah. You, did, you did a crossover um, yeah, so that, oh shit. Uh, L- L- LSCC 2014? No, that was MCM. Was it MCM? Mm, yeah. Was it? That was MCM, that yeah. one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Speaking of uh, speaking of cosplays, um, Erica's husband actually um, is quite a prolific cosplayer, really. Oh, I was he cosplayers. Well, I've seen uh, there was a news article from some months ago that he um, was actually dressed as Captain America. And um, let's just be honest, you know, that, that part did suit him pretty well. Um, not just for, obviously, his own family background, but yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, I I kind of started because I, I sort of um, started years ago by doing some Star Wars cosplay. And then he started and he does Captain America, uh, Han Solo, and Indiana Jones. Oh, okay. And um, Matt, you're oh, going to yeah. like what, What's his name? Oh. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Patrick yeah. Klein. No, he's known okay, as uh, Captain. He's known, he's known as Captain Pat Man America, or Pat-Man. the Pat Man. <laughs> okay, yeah, Pat Man. Um, so, oh, okay. Matt, you're you're gonna like this because um, Erica shared with me yesterday. Probably this has got to be one of the greatest Star Wars stories you'll ever hear. And because um, I had to look at the photo again after to, to think, oh, he's actually dressed as Han Solo. Um, right. So, Matt, put it this way: if you ever had the chance to meet Carrie Fisher, um, how would your how would your interaction go? Let's just put it that way. <laughs> uh, oh, God, I don't know. Uh, okay, okay yeah. well, let's, let's just put it this way, all right? So um, I don't think, 
I don't think anyone could have been a better wife than Erica. Um, pl- please, please tell the story because this is just so good. Okay, uh, this this is this is this was my idea. So uh, Star Wars Celebration back in 2016, uh, and um, we're 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 booking our tickets and everything, and um, he's gets to meet he books on to meet Mark Hamill and he books on to meet Carrie Fisher and um and I said to him you you got to go dressed as Han and you got to go from Empire Strikes Back and you got to try and get her to do the pose with you know the, the film poster oh, the pose right. with, with the, the gone the gone with the wind pose yeah, yeah, yeah. um <laughs> and this was like this was like this was when we were booking our tickets this was like a year before celebration so anyway so celebration comes and, and uh um, I've, he's, he's going to wear his Han Solo gear, and I was meeting. I was in queues to meet uh, Ray Parker's Darth Maul, and um, he was in the queue, literally in the next booth over, waiting to go and meet Carrie Fisher. And um, the way he, the way he tells it is is, is brilliant. But, but um, uh, if anyone doesn't know, my husband is a, he's a, he's an American, and uh, so he he goes in there, and you you know you only get like thirty seconds, and it's there, you shoot, and then you get kicked out. Um, and he kind of he saunters in and he's dressed in full Empire Strikes Back uh, gear. I may be a bit biased, but looking incredibly handsome. <laughs> and, um, and he kind of just uh, turns on the turns on the smolder and it's like, uh, good morning, princess. You're looking very fine this morning. And she goes, hello. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he says, you know, uh, would you mind? Would you mind if I if I kissed you? And she goes. No, and uh, they smooch, <laughs> and they're smooching, and that is the photo that the photographer takes. The queue. So this is Carrie Fisher at celebration. You can imagine the queue. The people who can see cheer loudly, <laughs> and then all the people behind are like wondering what is that cheer about. And then word gets around, and he's just kind of like wanders around with the photograph of him, uh, basically uh, snogging Carrie Fisher. Wow. So, yeah. I want to see this picture now. Yeah, I know. Oh, let me see if I can oh. do a little I... bit of wizardry here. Um... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. Can you oh. see? Oh. oh my god! Oh, this wow. is terrible quality oh, on my yeah. screen. <laughs> wow! Get it, girl. Send it over Skype. I can't see it. Oh wow! That is. So, yes. I'll, 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 I think, I think if I can, that. I'll copy a picture <laughs> later on the um, on the chat because uh, it was it when I got shown that oh, photo, yeah. I was just like, wow, that's impressive, voter. So that was him. I can show you these. So that's him with Mark Hamill. Wow. And then that's the frame photo. <laughs> and and this is him wearing an Indiana Jones hat. Come in, come in and say hello. <laughs> Even cosplaying for a podcast. Dance Yay. Monkey Dance. Hello. We named him after oh. the dog. Uh, you can't, you can't oh, hear anything because I've nicked the headphones. Anyway, that's all right. Do you want to say hello quickly to everyone? Uh, hello quickly to everyone. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, sorry, I'm following direction there. I have, have that very oh, I have that very shirt, sir. Yeah. I don't have the hat. I have a lot of fun. Just got to say, mate, you have You've got the best wife ever. Let's just put it that way. You know, who just went? Oh, no, yeah, yeah, go, here. go and see Carrie Fisher. Yeah, go, go for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> murder me? She actually murder me. Overheard her telling this story, so I kind of lingered by the door. That's uh, not. It's not exactly how it went. Uh, some of the some of the words were a little bit off there. I I did say to her, you know, do you mind if I ask for a kiss for my photo? She, she kind of looked over at me. She went, Oh yeah. I think it was just a 28-year-old cosplayer dressed as Han Solo asking to uh, to have a kiss for their photo, and she she just she, yeah she went she for went it. for it she went for it um, <laughs> lad. 
if anyone was taken aback, it was me. Um, <laughs> but, wow, yeah, I think I was shaking for at least 45 minutes after that, uh, including like the, the 10 minutes it took me to find someone who could sell me like one of the really nice mylar sleeves to pop the photo in straight away to make sure nothing happened to it. <laughs> and I remember I was like, I need something this size. They looked at it. They were like, is that? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> 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 and uh one of my one of my best friends is actually she um her name is tracy and she cosplays uh princess leia we do we do a lot of the um star wars cosplay and charity events together she saw the photo and she looked at me she's like you dick <laughs> she had her photo earlier in the day and you know she was wearing her her empire strikes back leia outfit that she had made just like specially for celebration um and I inadvertently one-upped her, um, so I was I was uh, I was in the doghouse with my costume wife for some time. I think I probably still am, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> but there we go. <laughs> what's the, what's the cosplay name, man? Again, uh, so what, what what's your cosplay called? What are you called? Oh, I've got I've got a couple accounts. I've got uh, Captain Patman on Instagram is my general cosplay account, and then uh, the Jones Boys UK for indie specific stuff. Uh, the indie community is special. It gets, it gets its own account. <laughs> you were named after the dog. <laughs> I got a lot of fond memories of that dog. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> I, got a friend. <laughs> I will pass you back to the wife. Thanks for having me, guys. No problems. Oh, lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Thanks, I'll stand that back up, shall That's I? Right. No, it's all right. Like <laughs> I didn't do it. Uh, we shall oh, yeah. you shall program him very shortly. Yeah. Yeah, what my, was my... Ray Park like to meet? <laughs> what was Mark Hamill like to meet? Ray Park. Oh, Ray Park. Oh, yeah, he was pretty cool because I was I was telling him that I had told uh, um, I was explaining that my husband was um, in another queue waiting to meet Carrie Fisher and also Mark Hamill, and he said, "Why aren't you meeting them?" And I went, "Oh, because you know it's 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 it, it, it's fine." And while hmm. Pat was waiting, he sent me. Uh, uh, like a selfie of him doing like a virtual high five and said, see if you can get Ray Park to do a high five back. So I said, you know, would you mind? My, my husband's in the queue next door. Uh, would you mind doing him another high five? And so Ray Park did a, a, a virtual high five and then uh, sent it sent it back. Um, no, he was he was really lovely. He was like really kind of bouncy and cool and stuff. Um, but then I also got to meet other Darth Maul, which was uh, Sam Witwer. And um, again, I kind of can be a quite... A, slightly shy nervous person not that you would think with obviously the way i'm wittering on right now um <laughs> but, <laughs> you're wittering but, on <laughs> but I, I was quite like, nervous about meeting him and i was with pat then and uh pat just in blatantly introduced me and went this is this is my wife she's a big fan and she's also a voice actor and i was like Ugh. and uh <laughs> was like oh you're a voice actor as well and you kind of always get that thing when when especially if you're meeting somebody else who, who does the same thing there's always that little bit of like yeah right are you really or are you just saying that um but we we started talking um voice work he asked me a bit about what I did and then um I was talking to him about uh techniques and I said and I, st I asked him about um you know how he produces certain sounds and immediately I start getting like this one-to-one -one tuition from Sam Whitwer about voice oh. work and he went and he said, you know, when I came back from Maul, um, uh, I was doing the full episode and I had to transition between the Maul when they first find him and he's all like broken and stuff. And then by the end of the episode, I had to be this version of Maul that they were going through. And he said, so what I did was 
because I one of the things I do as a voice actor is um, I tend to physicalize my roles as, as much as I can, because if you compress your diaphragm, if you change this box where you produce the air, you can change the sound. So we were talking about that. And he said, oh, yeah, I said I, I gripped my throat and kind of constricted it all like this. So when I first started the episode, it was much more like that. And he said, and as I was recording, I relaxed my grip and then he got down to the smooth mall by the end of the episode and he said it was those tiny things that he was doing which was brilliant so i basically nicked his technique <laughs> and did that for my next role on no sleep so i got cast as this i got cast as this weird creature and i went you know, you know what i'm gonna try sam whitworth's technique and i did this thing <laughs> on the mic and it was yeah it works that's cool <laughs> nice <laughs> oh joe talking about um shows you I have seen it advertised on your page and I've seen it if you have places. Um, obviously, with all the stuff that's going on with COVID, unfortunately, a lot of venues are under threat of closure. Um, places that have been open have been very restricted, not getting a lot of funds coming in. You are actually doing, um, and this is amazing, a 24-hour live stream at the Unbound Theatre in Aylesbury. Um, So first off, how did you get involved with this? And second, um, how are you preparing to do 24 hours of broadcast? <laughs> okay. Um, the, the venue, the Unbound is the, is the, is the in-house theatre company. Uh, the venue is the Queen's Park Arts Centre, which Sorry, was, yes, Queen's much, it was pretty much my second home. Um, they do a variety of arts workshops from like woodworking, pottery, music, dance, everything. Um, I pretty much grew up there from a kid doing drama workshops and then it kind of led on to my professional career from then. Um, so I've been knocking around that place for <laughs> years. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, venues are, are struggling I, and um, the in-house company we've been producing a lot of audio work over the summer and have been releasing you know they managed to do 190 days of straight online free content um just when i mean i remember when when um what's his face uh johnson made the announcement about well i, th I think then you know people shouldn't really go to the theater back in march before lockdown happened all of the theaters just immediately shut down and the my phone i remember that night it was the night before my birthday and my phone just started going with emails going, we've cancelled this. I lost six months worth of work. I lost the work for the rest um, of the year. Oh, um, wow. Just in a series of emails. And it was like one came through and then another and then another and then another. And I just remember sitting there going, oh, my God, what am I going to do? Um, and so a lot of the actors uh, in the area kind of got together and we've been producing a lot of online content. But the 24-hour the show, yes, is, um, is going to be a live stream broadcast doing a variety of things so unbound does everything from comedy sketches to children's literature to um sort of comedy podcasting to i mean even today i was i was uh, at the theater today uh, doing shakespeare and also some oscar wilde so for 24 hours there is going to be a series of uh, performances um being done as as readings so it will be the actors with their scripts and then um and cameras are on us and it will be broadcast worldwide on the wonder of twitch and that is over halloween night and lots of people very generously donating their their time for that um the other thing that we've got even is over midnight because obviously we'll be in different time zones for the broadcast but um for uk time over over midnight so between 11 45 and uh 12 15 um we're doing halloween tales we're doing some scary tales 
And one of the one of the writers from No Sleep, Marcus Demanda, whose name you may recognise, has generously donated um, a, a brand new story that I'll be reading. So I will be doing I'll be doing one of my creepy grannies over on <laughs> Halloween night. For that and then also uh, I believe S H Cooper, who's an, who's another one of our writers, has again allowed us to to perform one of her stories as well. And then we've got I think we've got other readings from Frankenstein and the Raven, and then a few other bits of poetry as well. Um, so there's going to be a variety of things, and then I'm also going to be hosting the whole event as well. So I'll be on coffee and Red Bull. <laughs> <laughs> so, so at some point I'll be doing so at some point on uh, on the second day I'll be doing um I'll be performing some Shakespeare so let's see how that goes on no sleep and <laughs> then in the evening I'll begin be performing Oscar Wilde as well so we'll see how we'll see how I manage so in terms of preparation I don't know does does eight years of being a parent count <laughs> yes 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 <laughs> yes I can do this I can do this I can do this hibernation beforehand how been the support for the entertainment and theatre industry from the government give during Covid I'm sorry what was that <laughs> what's, what's, been, what's been support like if any from the government in terms of during Covid um, well there's been this allegedly this but 1.5 billion pound magic money that that's there to to support everybody, but no one's seen a penny of it. No, okay. Yeah. They'll be on um, the sofa. It'll be it's it's meant to have been given to various uh, either the, the councils or something to then give out to the organisation. This was announced way back in July. Um, no one's received any of it yet, and the biggest thing has been yes, you can open. Oh no, you can't. Uh, we want you open, go back to work, no you can't and the thing that's been the real kick in the teeth um, especially over this last week has been the um, would just get a proper job instead yeah yeah. Yeah. that's like retrain and and funnily enough loads of people I know loads of people I know have been doing have gone on to the government website (laughs) gone on to the uh, I need to retrain option and you fill in all of your things and it says hmm you like working in the arts and you're a creative imagination imaginative person and you're good with people have you considered a career as an actor (laughs) oh wow have you followed it up um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like maybe, a real opportunity. Need, that <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe I just need more training um, mm-hmm. instead. Um, yeah. So it's been a, it, it, there is a there is a wonderful. If I'm allowed to to, to publicise more stuff, there is a wonderful it's... wonderful um, uh, charity. Well, there there is acting for others. There is the theatre support fund, and there is a flea bag charity, and they have all come together. Um, under the banner of the West End, but they are supporting theatre artists um, and anyone, anyone who works in theatre, front of house, box office, stage management, actors, writers, designers, anyone who works in the theatrical industry can apply to them uh, for help. And it's the Theatre Support Fund and all of the West End theatres have come up, have do, have allowed um, their logos to be used to create a beautiful banner, which is the show must go on. So it's the different letters from the various famous West End shows and you can get t-shirts and pencils and mugs and things and it's just that cry the show must go on and so far I think they started in May or June and they've raised something like over 30 grand wow at least and and then people have been have been using that as well can I, can I just say with with regard to what has been said and and 
I saw that briefly the other day. To be honest, I avoid most of the news because it's depressing as fuck. But <laughs> um, but one of the things that occurred to me with that is like I'm I'm a freelance artist and and you know I'm thankfully still able to do what I do. But it's one of those things of without theatre, without film, without all of this other stuff. How the hell is everyone who's working at Tesco's or working a job that they absolutely hate, how are they going to get through their evenings and go back to work in the morning without that entertainment? Like, art is more important in modern society than people seem to think. Yeah. Yeah. It lifts spirits, right? So, you know, if Netflix was to shut down and Amazon was to shut down and all of this easy-to-access entertainment was to shut off, I mean, for all no of one would reasons, be getting up to go to work in the morning, no matter I, uh, what they were doing. <laughs> I mean, I'm probably going to get this wrong, but for all of the the, the, the recent Churchillian rhetoric that's been going on, I, was it was it Churchill who's got? There's a famous quote about you know, if you know someone saying about getting rid of the arts, and he said, well, if we do that, what are we fighting for? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's ironic. Albert Einstein, Albert Einstein as well said, you know, art and imagination are the most important things, and for science and things, and unless you could, if you can't imagine solutions to problems, if you're only kind of stuck in certain uh, in a certain formula, if you can't use the imagination to to create new methods and new discoveries and new technologies, then yeah, we're all screwed basically. So well, it's, yeah. It's politicians have got an imagination they imagined themselves getting a three thousand pound pay rise um so yeah is that imagining or is that more reality i was talking to neil asher a couple of years ago um about science fiction and science and he said like yeah okay they are completely separate but one inspires the other and vice versa and in many ways, we could not have the the technology and science that we have today were it not for the scientists going, I want to make that. I mean, yeah, you look Ideas at something like Star Trek. Exactly. You look yeah. at something like Star Trek where you have, you know, the faces appear up on the big screen in front of them and they're talking across galaxies. Well, you know, what are we doing now? I'm talking to my television, essentially. Yeah, automatic doors I'm not well. sure. Yeah. Zoom, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they might get a bit of a dodgy connection in the Delta Quadrant. Who knows? Um, but, but all of, all of this stuff, yeah, science science fiction is basically the technology of tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds a very Tony Stark thing to say, doesn't it? Yeah, you need to you need to raise your arms, and there needs to be an explosion going on behind you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Star Star yeah. Trek has has given um, a lot to us. I mean, yeah. you look at the next generation. I mean couple of years later we've got touchscreen you know we've got uh, we've got pads we've got uh, what are they uh, android tablets we've got these things ready available now if we can kind of further that with gene roddenberry's um work to better ourselves and do away with things like you know money and you know things oh, yeah. where it's it's a, it's more of a trade-off than anything else we, we discussed this in um, one of the podcasts i think once where i was talking about uh if you could get if you could get replicators and you could get something like replicators and you could get um free power so like you know energy was free then you, you know you wouldn't need people could literally work to um to better humanity instead of working yeah. to pay pay bills because you, you wouldn't have to worry about food and you wouldn't have to worry about uh energy um but you know 
uh, the energy thing as much as they're looking at is nuclear fusion not is it nuclear fusion Fission. Fission. Initial fission. So, no, no, so, no, fusion. Yeah, fusion, fusion, yeah. Oh. Looking at fusion, yeah. Um, which they sort of think they can do, but it's high effect, high sort of, uh, high yeah, efficient, the, the, is it? Yeah, the power you punch into nuclear fusion at the moment is far less, is less than what you get out. Basically, um, ITER in France is going to be the next stage of nuclear fusion. Uh, basically, they want to get that low, long, low hum of power where they're punching a little power and then basically it just self-maintains fusion and it's just constantly punching yep. out yeah so basically if, that, stream of energy. if they can do that then you know you know yeah. your quid's in but it's not looking like it's going to be in our in our lifetime so it uh, is it is really you reckon i suspect in 20 30 years we will have working fusion reactors wow that's that's insane man. uh actually w- w- one thing i will add um there's a tale about uh professor stephen hawking's visiting the star trek um studios and he's been shown around and then he kind of stopped and then he started typing away on, on his keypad and so they waited and then he kind of pointed at that and said i'm working on one of them and he's pointing at the warp core so yeah, so that the, it is the case of like the no, science fiction does inspire this. Well, he's talking about worm wormholes, wasn't it? So he sort of the possibility oh, of wor- yes. wormholes is sort yeah, of his book on wormholes was fantastic. If you yeah. ever get the chance to read it, please do so. Yeah. Um. Uh. Okay. As we're talking about science fiction, uh, and we, we've talked about Star Wars so many times, but as we have a Star Wars. Um, super ding, fan ding, with- round one. <laughs> and we, I believe. I believe. <laughs> George has brought you on for some nefarious purpose to try and uh, try and prove me wrong. Um, well, I'll cut to the chase. Did way. you like um, the Last Jedi? I think that's what Matt wants to know. Well, yeah. well first off, first off, first off, what, what did you think of uh, what did you think of um, Rogue One? <laughs> I was expecting this because I listened to your episode last week, and this seems to be your make or break thing. Yeah, loved it. That's good. That's okay. You can carry on talking now. <laughs> I'm not going to read script this podcast. Okay. Uh, so what? Go on. Then. I'm assuming. I'm assuming uh, that the uh, the Last Jedi um, was to was 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 to your liking more than it was probably to my liking. Uh, if that's the case, why? Because um, I like all the Star Wars. Oh, ah, what? You can't have that. I like all the Star Wars. I didn't hear. I like it. all I just... the Star Wars. I know, but I have. There are there are problems with 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 bits of them. Yeah, there are scenes that there are scenes in the Last Jedi that I kind of go, or I wish they'd done uh, like differently. What? Like what? Um, Mary oh, Poppins. Whole... Uh, now Mary Poppins, I kind of think was quite an interesting one because I think they were kind of trying to bring in more of the EU awakening of the Force within Leia for that. Mm, yeah, it, it didn't. The problem you have with that is they didn't. They didn't. Ex, they didn't. What's the word? Um, explain it. Please. Explain it Build at all. It, it. Yeah, there was no sort. It was literally she just woke up and she could. She was full on Jedi. There was which they had to fix in the next one. That was my issue yeah, with it because they think, they had to fix it. I think they had a, a lot of things because they also had an actress who was quite ill at the time when she filmed it, and then of course they sadly lost her for the third. So. I think as a director, you're having to make decisions, uh, accommodating decisions all the time. And sometimes that can't always just be covered with a simple plot fix, unfortunately. 
Um, so things are left open and whether or not that enhances the film or not. But still, I remember seeing that moment and kind of going, oh, because I think it opened up a lot of potential that we have been promised. And unfortunately, that potential wasn't necessarily realized in the storyline, but the promise or the hint of it was there. And that kind of what excited me about that moment. But I, I can see how, it, how I, it would disappoint a lot of people. Yeah, well, I, I, I at the time was, I, I wouldn't say furious. I was just so <laughs> upset about it. I didn't, I, I didn't hate, as much as I say, you know, I, I moan about it. I didn't hate The Last Jedi. I just didn't think it was on a par with any of the other ones. There was a few, cha- I didn't like the way Luke was, uh, the, the way Luke was. I didn't like uh, the Leia thing at all um, because there was no, uh, you know, it, they didn't explain why it was happening. Um but I'm kind of glad that she didn't die. Now, I thought she w- she was going to die and that would have been a good end mm. to her as a character. But I'm kind of glad they carried her on into the next one because yeah. it sort of, it gave a very emotional, like the last, I went to see it with my sister and my brother, uh, and my mum and my sister's husband and um, all of us, bar my mother who was fast asleep because she's just not into that sort of thing, um, uh, mm. were, were crying her eyes out and stuff. You know, it's just like, you know, that our childhood literally just ended. But I'm, and I'm glad she was there at the end and and Mm. so that's the one thing that makes me sort of it's not i don't it's not like i have a my peace with that moment in the last jedi but Mm. i you know at least she wasn't killed and and i'm kind of glad about that i just you know the fact the fact that the third film fixed parts of the second you know the second one makes me they weren't able to tell the story that they originally wanted to yeah I and think I think, that, that, I think that's the biggest thing. I think whatever potential there might have been in The Last Jedi was they had to go a different way, really. So the two films, in some ways, almost it's an impossible task to try and marry them up um, as coherently as, as one continuous story arc where you have the full cast and everything where you're able to do that. I, th- I think that sometimes um, it's a bit difficult and well, that it is it is awkward i think if i'm if i'm honest about the the if i'm taking the last jedi and rise of skywalker together is i find there's an there's an awkwardness about mm. them um but it's still star wars and it's star wars for a new generation each each trilogy um so i grew up with the originals um there's a bit of an age difference between my husband and i he grew up with the prequels um, which when they first come out, I was very kind of like, what have you done? Um, and I've kind of mellowed in my old age and I love them now. Um, and also seeing them through my kids' eyes. And my kids love the new stuff. It's, yeah. And it should it should be for them. It should be for them. Yeah, I that, think with the I... new trilogy, that was the big thing because they were obviously trying to pay homage to obviously everything that had been done before. And mm-hmm. 7, 8 and 9 was supposed to be... Um, you know, set to the three main actors. So episode seven was Han Solo's movie. That was Harrison Ford's send-off, which, yeah, that went really well. Uh, episode eight was Luke Skywalker's, pra- well, practically his send-off as well. And then episode yep. nine was supposed to be for Carrie Fisher. And and like we say, you know, that is one thing that, unfortunately, we were never going to see due to her passing. But I reckon, you know, could you imagine if we'd had an episode nine that was focused on her as much as say like being a more powerful, being a more powerful Jedi master? Because I think we get hints. I think we get hints of it that she was meant to to become Rey's mentor. She was meant to be Mm. um, sort of start to embrace her own um, force sensitivity. You know, if you're looking at the, the story with with 
with her son you know that emotional link that you have in the moment just before the Mary Poppins where you've got that link that they do refer mm. back to when she appears to her son in Rise of Skywalker but you've got that link where his finger's on the button is he going to do it is he not and it's somebody else who kind of shoots it in and yeah. that that decision is taken away from him and- I've got to say, um, it does. Or I was going to say, it, it plays into one of my favourite things in not just Star Wars. And um, you know, Matt, I'm going to say there is one part of Rise of Skywalker I've got to say is probably my favourite in the whole film series altogether. Just that moment after um, Leia has passed, you know, uh, Kylo acknowledges it. He know he can feel her presence has gone, and then just all of a sudden, you know, you've got Han Solo behind him, and and that point, I was just like. Yeah. My God, yeah, it, yeah. It Han Solo you. coming back was a massive, it, it, yeah. It, and you know, it was one of the things that sometimes you can kind of think, oh, you know, like you hear about spoilers, you hear about, and that was something I was like, I was not expecting it, and then like your, your heart sinks because it's like, you know, unfortunately, you couldn't have Carrie Fisher to deliver what probably that could have probably been her part. That would have been her talking to her son at that point, but obviously, as she no longer with us, you had Han Solo there, and it, it was like. Like wow, this is this is heart wrenching almost because it's like you know the emotional twist that's just suddenly hit you from the passing of Leia, and now you've got um, Ren kind of uh, you know he's coming to terms with everything he's done. He's in a way he's making peace with his family in that moment, and it, it it's 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 you know it it kicks your heart really like for for, for well it it just done me. I was just like. I was just like, wow, that's uh, a... Yeah, I... Yeah, it it was definitely emotional. So I I, I didn't... I I haven't watched... I've only watched... the uh, the last uh, the last Jedi once um, because I was just so sort of you know put off by it that I was just like I don't know if I want to watch it again but I kind of made my peace with it because of um, the Rise of Skywalker because um, it was such a good sort of uh, swan song to the entire sort of franchise effectively. Um, but, Maybe I should see it then. Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. Watch it, watch it again. Have you, have you, you, I've not so. seen the last one. I seriously, really I, 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 I saw the last Jedi and I was like, oh, I can't be fucked with this anymore. This yeah. is like, I, I had to tap out. It's I'm not, so upset. It's not, it's worth it's worth watching. Else, it like honestly, it's like I, mm. I, I, I went into it kind of going, I really have no sort of pre, I have no, I'm just like, I'm just gonna watch it because it's the last one, and it, it, it proper got me in the feels. Like, there's so many parts in it which literally just, you know, especially as for myself who grew up in the 80s and stuff, watching the originals and things, that it, it literally just is the end of a it's the end of the franchise and there's so many parts and you're just like oh my god and like i i was i was crying by then i was proper emotional about it at the end and stuff i was just like okay yeah I'll my make only my thing with, with the um rise of skywalker is it should have been two films yes i think it should have been two films because the first half felt very rushed i i think i think uh, well, a lot of it was recycled, wasn't it, from the um, Colin Trevorrow script. There was bits... I know it wasn't a complete, um, like, an overhaul, but they did take certain elements. Yeah. And um, if you've read the script for what would have been Episode 9, Jewel of the Fates... Is that the Jewel of the Fates? Yes. Yeah, it is I a want very... to read it. I've seen it, some of the well, artwork for a, it, and I'm kind of like, video. oh! There's a, there's a video on YouTube from um, a YouTuber called Mr. Sunday Movies, and they've done this, like this eight minute animation of it. And, um, you know, it's played for a little bit for last, but when you actually watch it and you see like the story beats, you see what they were trying to do with it. 
And you think, wow, okay, this could have been such a different film. This could have been such a different conclusion. There are certain bits and pieces that are still the same. There are a few elements that that still um, that still you know same beat for beat in a way. But it is ninety percent a completely different movie. And it, the focus on it obviously keeps a layer focused because obviously this was written before her passing, uh, before Carrie Fisher's passing. So they still had her in mind for the part and. It's it's one of the things that as I was um, watching it, it just made me think, wow, you know, what we had and what we could have had are two completely different, you know, pieces of work, two completely different pieces of art. And and the thing is, it made me realise as well, as much as I would have probably enjoyed Jewel of the Fates more, it made me think, well, hang on, as we've learned from any any fan base, any society, I for what I might like, someone else might not. And for what I don't like myself, someone will love. And that's yeah, that's yeah, always is, going to be the way. This but, is where the fans come. This is where the fans come in, though. I mean, there is a there's a scene in uh, Rise of Skywalker, um, the ending scene. Uh, Matt will probably know what I'm on about now, um, where a editor has gone into that scene and improved it with um, certain ghosts who appear at the end. Hmm. Um, oh, yeah, well, the one I'm on about now, Pete. And it's that kind of scene where if they had just thought about how could we make this more of an emotional thing rather than this is how it's supposed to play out. It's so hard not to drop spoilers for people who haven't seen it, and I'm trying to be as respectful as I can, hmm. um, where it's it's that moment of, um, I'll say this because it won't give them anything, cashing the lightsaber. And mm. then you have all um, the Force ghosts doing what yes. they do. And it's that scene, I thought, if that was in the original theatrical release, if they'd thought uh, further to put that in, it would have made the scene, it would have given a better impact mm. on the scene to what Ray says. And it's it's all down to fans. What can, you know, what they want to put into it, what could have been made better or could have been improved a bit more. Um, Rise of Skywalker, I enjoyed it for what it was, I guess. Last Jedi, I kind of wish they'd done Luke a bit better yeah, than what was done to him. Because, I mean, all the hype in Force Awakens of uh, the lightsaber, Maz Kanata, you know, saying this was Luke's lightsaber, and, you know, everyone in the background going, oh, your father used it to kill many younglings. And um, <laughs> he just takes he takes it off rain and throws it directly behind him and thinking, why? Yeah, that that really frustrated me. Uh, it's just, Do you not find that a mirror from Return of the Jedi, though? Why? Why is that? In what happened? What's the mirror? Yoda. Yoda. No, what is Yoda doing? No, do? it's it's no, 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 no. Uh, uh, Palpatine going after Luke in Return of the Jedi. He stands up and he throws his lightsaber away. In Return of the Jedi, he throws his lightsaber yeah, away. Yeah, that, that, the, the throwing the lightsaber away was to basically show that he wasn't going to let his anger, uh, the hate, his hate, get the better of him. In this mm. matter, it, it was more of a, I don't care. I, I've thrown my toys out of the pram. Uh, I don't want anything to do with the Jedi anymore. Ah, see, I didn't see it that way. I yeah. saw it as like a, I saw it as like a very deliberate, almost symbolic reflection of that. That as an older man, he has become jaded with everything and again it's the temptation of the dark side 
he is there being forced by Palpatine to either fight or something, and that's mm -hmm. the temptation is to fight, to give in to his anger. So in Return of the Jedi, he throws his lightsaber away and says, this is not who I'm going to but, be. When Rey offers him the lightsaber again, it brings all of that back, and I just kind of took, I, I was, when I saw it, it was like, oh, he is, that's exactly who he was in Return of the Jedi. It's a callback, it's a flashback to him in Return of the Jedi, and he's, he's rejecting it. He is rejecting that essentially mm. that temptation of the dark side and everything is there because this is what this is what it is he shut himself off from the force he mm. doesn't want that anymore then why did he then why did he keep the book why did he keep the books why did he when he goes mm. to burn the 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 oh god what was it like a uh, he's, 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 he's on an with island with people he can't communicate with and that's the only reading material <laughs> Actually, and I want he's to, well, guilty as soon as he doesn't want to destroy it. It's Yoda who destroys it's it. It's Yoda destroys feel, it. Yeah. Actually, speaking of Yoda, I think one the thing, thing is, the thing is, lightsabers are much more symbolic of the fighting and the and yeah. the conflict. Whereas the books, the Jedi Code, all of the other stuff, it's it's very much you know. Although the fighting's kind of in there, and you know, it's their history and everything. It's, it's that it, the, the weapon the itself is the problem. That you don't want the weapon. Also, it kind of harkens back to Yoda in Empire Strikes Back, where the first thing he says to Luke is, war does not make one great. No and weapons, you will not need them. Exactly. Yeah, I and just, like, yeah, I, I, and could, like, I could buy into that. I, 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 fully, I fully understand Luke what you're saying. Yoda. I mean, no, because Yoda's not that sort of thing about Luke. And I could understand if he had turned into a sort of thoughtful, sort of like, mm, yeah, sort of, you know, uh, talking in riddles and being sort of, you know, like like Yoda or, or like Obi-Wan. But he wasn't. He just, it felt to me like he was somebody who literally had run away and didn't want to have anything to do with it anymore and it, it was just the way he yeah. acted that just didn't yeah. it didn't sit right with me and I you know I, I I understand what you're saying there is similarities to those parts you know from Empire and Jedi but for me watching that he it was like a disrespect sort of thing and it just sort of it, it just felt wrong especially to me as a fan I was just like I I know I appreciate it's not up to me how Luke should be but you know, I just didn't see him being that, you know, pathetic. You know, he, he became he came better at the end and stuff, but it was just sort of like, you know, at that time, I was just like, I just don't buy it. I just don't, it doesn't do it. And it, it ruined it for me because Luke it was, a, is your childhood hero. He's somebody mm. for a little boy who's sort of growing up, you know, Luke Skywalker is, and then he's this sort of, he, he he gets like a minute in the in the first film and in the second one he he's just this grumpy old man and you're just like but you know this isn't the look who I I looked up to and grew up with and yeah, but Obi Wan Kenobi's a grumpy old man Yoda's a grumpy old man yeah but um, the they kids are who grew up with Anakin as the hero of the Clone Wars you know I, I've seen kids who like absolutely adore Anakin because uh, they've seen do. the cartoon and it's like it's like oh my god you yeah. you have no idea who he becomes yet have you <laughs> oh but that's the beauty Master, of it yeah. heartbreak coming is to what makes us. Star what shall we do yeah <laughs> They're, they're, <laughs> the thing is, Obi-Wan isn't grumpy, he's stoic, and it's the same with Yoda. Yoda sort of uh, isn't overly, the only time he gets grumpy, the only time gr Yoda gets grumpy is when uh, when he's trying to take something from... Uh, I was going to say, it's when he's fighting R2. Yeah, when he's fighting, he's fighting R2. Other than that, he's generally quite stoic. <laughs> Whereas Luke isn't, he is very sort of like, he is grumpy. Yeah, but I think you could really have 
you couldn't have Luke do the same as a Yoda. Luke had to have his own his Take. own path. Yeah. Mm. And to me, for him to, you know, reject the Jedi way, for him to and I even said this before, that he calls because he calls the lightsaber a laser sword, that's my way of, of seeing that it's him trying to say, look, I don't want anything to do with a Jedi. I'm not even going to address the weapon by its actual name. I will just call it a laser sword. And I just thought... That's what uh, Oberon calls it in A New Hope. Yeah. Mm. Again, another callback. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, I didn't hear it. And I also appreciate... He's kind of a bit jaded because, you know, he he is kind of single-handedly responsible for pretty much the destruction of the Jedi and the destruction of his mm. his sisters and his brother-in-law's but marriage. So the, the, and, um, you know, that's got to weigh a bit heavily on you, I know, really. but the other two it's as well. But you think it's that Obi- Obi-Wan basically saw the end of the Jedi Order and the Old Republic. Yeah, um, but he was responsible it. for it. I know, but, he, he, you know, Yoda was sort of, you know, for not having the foresight and stuff. So they both went through very traumatic times. Yeah, what, they both went through you could, you could argue more traumatic than what Luke's been through and stuff, you know, with, with what happened and the, the, the sheer loss well, of life. Well, Yoda failed to we... defeat Darth Sidious and, and, and therefore brought about the Empire. So I imagine Yoda's feeling a bit, you know... Yeah, exactly, off. and they still would... were able to be a bit more sort of cool about, you know, their life and instead of kind I of would... going, I'm going to get myself would... some green milk and... <laughs> I would they... argue, though, that Obi-Wan, Yoda, all of those who were around when they were surrounded by other Jedi... Granted, not as much as say the old Republic era and where my most most my knowledge comes from, but um, they were surrounded by others who held their beliefs, who had, you know, one another to lean on in hard times. Um, to, it, for them, I feel like, and I've said this a moment ago, but I feel like for them, it's more about heartbreak and. Um, coming to terms with all that has happened whereas with luke yeah he's sort of on his own and and i feel like there's more guilt there's more weight on his shoulders look what happens when you put someone into a jedi you know into the boots of a jedi and say you're the chosen one all of all of this is on you Mm. and look what happens expected to (laughs) rebuild the jedi order Uh, yeah and to not yeah and to not necessarily have built really good relationships with um others who are like you so i mean there's that he doesn't have relatability with others in in the films for example like han and leia and he doesn't although she's his sister i mean he fucking made out with her at one point like (laughs) come on you know that's gotta fuck you up a bit too remember like (laughs) he'll always have that nagging doubt is am i going to be the next darth vader Am I gonna yes, and that, of course, and that. But you got to think, though, in Luke's arc, especially when you look back from episode four, you know, he starts off living with his aunt and uncle. He loses them because they obviously get killed. He then finds out, you mm. know, his father is like the, he's the big evil of the galaxy. Well, he loses Obi Wan as well and, uh, first as yeah, well. Yeah, he loses, he loses Obi Wan, but then yeah. you know he doesn't really know Obi Wan too well. So that that was like because he they quickly went, no, Obi Wan is like. It's like, oh yes, Obi Wan died, didn't he? Oh yes. Um, but you know, he <laughs> then finds he then finds out his dad is the big evil, and then um, when he starts connecting to his dad, oh no, his dad's now dead. Oh, but he has his sister, and um, his sister and his best friend then have a child. And what's he do? He fucks up the relationship with his nephew because you know, even though he senses that there is darkness in him, he basically then causes that darkness to um, fester outward, and he basically is the 
the tipping point that made Kylo Ren go from staying with the Jedi to making yeah. him think, well, actually, no, I'm going to go off on my own thing. And, um, you know, I basically... would, I mean, I would, be, I would be pissed off and grumpy after all that. But, but the thing is, to me, Luke just doesn't have that level of connection with the people around him. He doesn't have the social skills that others would have developed. Well, we see Does that, that make best, sense? Like... His best relationship is with a droid. His best relationship is with exactly. R2-D2. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, but and I think that's what makes it worse as well, because, you know, yeah. he, can't, he doesn't really do well with human interaction. His no, best friend is literally a thing that just goes... Literally, like, he got completely <laughs> thrown into this as an adult as well, mind. Mm. Like, for example, with Anakin, he was obviously a child. Um, for most Jedi, they would have been children. So it's like, yeah, I feel like the you can't really compare Luke's path with any of the other Jedi before him because he was pretty much the like he's like considered the, the last Jedi or like the only one or like you know he has the chosen title with no one really around him mm. to properly support him <laughs> through that does that <laughs> I don't know yeah, that's I, the impression I, I always got anyways yeah. one, I, I, one I, question I've, I've sorry Matt um, one one question I've I'm still waiting for it to be answered and how the hell did Maz Kanata get hold I knew of you were that say lightsaber? That. Well, that's that's an interesting it's, story. It's it's time. never it's never answered though. She, oh. You know, it's it's never said. Oh, by the way, I found this. Did you find a hand with it? You know, it's it's one of those questions I want to. That, I that want could answered. be quite a good little funny flashback, couldn't it? You know, like she finds it, but the hand is still gripped onto the light, so she has to shake it to <laughs> throw the hand well, off. I'm hoping. That, isn't that the original beginning? Am I making this up? I'm sure I've read this somewhere, and I've also, I'm sure I've seen concept <laughs> artwork for this of a lightsaber, like a lightsaber spinning was, through space or something. Yeah. First, that was the first concept art. Yeah, there was a concept picture, and it was yeah, literally um, Luke's hand holding onto the lightsaber, and um, that's a shame because I think that would have been quite a quite a powerful image to have started with, and then just see that someone picks it up, and then all of a sudden, like hour and a half into the film. Uh, uh, Masconata goes. Yes, I found this. Here's the here's the lightsaber. Um, yeah, but given where it was falling, which is down into the depths of uh, Cloud City, and then into a gas giant. Hmm. Well, that's How it, isn't it? it? You're you're gas farming on a gas giant. It's just like there's no way you can get that back unless that you got sucked into one of the um, you know one of the sort of vents. I guess like Luke did when he fell down. But um, so I'm. I'm hoping it gets explained um, with mm. another incredible some... Star Wars series. I'll get its own spin-off film. Shush you. Uh, I'm 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 hoping um, Din Jaren has got some kind of um, uh, pull in this because obviously with Mandalorian season two coming up now, if we get some kind of explanation through that series, how Maz gets hold of Luke's lightsaber. Mm. I mean, it could have ended up anywhere in cloud city and it was being evacuated at the same time so you know yeah. and you know mm. land one of lando's associates was he all that respectable how many smugglers were lurking around cloud city at the time it's like oh i'm gonna grab all of this stuff and it's like mm. oh yeah I, I will say um with with star wars being star wars uh you know i have never had any hate for the original uh from the original for the the prequels um everybody no. has um has has <laughs> raged against them and i as much as until the latest ones came out I, <laughs> as much, I didn't sort of hate them um i you know 
I enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. I thought some of the best lightsaber battles we've had were oh, in yeah. some of their original, you know, the Darth Maul, and I've said this numerous times, the Darth Maul, Obi-Wan, Qui-Gon Jinn, Dar- um, Duel of Fates, um, lightsaber battles, amazing. Absolutely amazing. So good. Darth Maul's an amazing bad guy, possibly better than Darth Vader, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at some points and stuff. Uh, you know, so good. Um, and I think you know because of the over-reliance in cgi and stuff um lucas got crucified and it was just too easy to sort of kind of pick fun at the you know jar jar and we've got to think about it this way it's like we grew up with teddy bears space teddy bears who basically took (laughs) on an empire like there's that family guy episode where they um they basically start you know uh was it peter griffin shoots some of the guards and he says this this film is too cute you know he starts start digging your own graves and he makes them dig their own graves with uh with their helmets (laughs) and stuff because like obviously teddy bears but that wouldn't that's not an issue for us wicked's ridiculous the whole thing is ridiculous so Matt's yeah, gone. I was say, shit. Oh, wow, dear. this, this, this dream is broken as well. Yeah. Um, so that yeah, that could be fun. I think we're back. Sorry, yeah, just I was saying it's ridiculous. The whole thing's ridiculous. So it's just. Um... <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, I so personally, I, don't have any I love the prequels. I prefer oh, they're my favourites. The prequels. I can't help got, that. The prequels have got a good lot of merit to them, and to a degree, you can understand the 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 problems that people have with it. But you got to remember as well that the prequels had a coherent story it knew what it was doing from beginning to end Mm -hmm, it was telling you how a young anakin became darth vader that was its main focus from beginning to end you knew that what was going to happen everything that happened in between you know that's an issue that's an issue that you take up on yourself but you got to say that the prequels out of all nine out of all three trilogies the prequels had the most clear cut story they knew where they were going Mm -hmm. from beginning to end Uh, i disagree they had an intention they absolutely fluffed the execution. Basic. Well, well, the entire point is, like uh, Anakin becomes Darth Vader due to Machiavellian um, manipulations by the Emperor. Oh, That's I'm not saying that the method is, um, is perfect. <laughs> the two films, um, the Emperor's kind of going, "Oh yes, yes, yeah." He was trying to send assassins to kill off uh, Padme. Fine. Yep. Okay. Can see why. And then Anakin learns that the uh, to be emperor was uh, was the person doing that, and then I can save her. Really, you can? Yeah, honest. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was the entire con- uh, manipulation, and I just thought, no, I'm sorry, no. Basically, just, I think there's uh, there's a lot more to it than, than that. There, but, um... it, no, <laughs> was there? Was yes, there... because this is the thing, right? For me, anyway, okay. and this is why I love the prequels, and this is why I love Star Wars, is that it doesn't spoon feed its audience. You no. are there, you are to interpret it as you wish, but there are certainly things that are, are there that aren't obvious that you are meant to pick up on, even if it's not during the viewing of it, even if it's afterwards when you're sat thinking about what's gone down there are things that are not spoon fed that are not obvious and a lot of people actually miss and you know i think a lot of that actually plays into it if it was more obvious maybe more people would perhaps enjoy the prequels but there are certain things that just sort of slip the net and you know 
I think it was just a bit of a fad to sort of hate on the Phantom Menace and stuff. And it's just like, I enjoy, I, I don't enjoy it. Like, I remember, I remember every moment, I, every Star Wars film I've watched from the originals uh, through to the newer ones to um, remakes, not remakes, to remastered versions of to the the, the newest ones. And um, I, not one point have I, even, even The Last Jedi, I didn't go out hating uh, a film you know i still enjoyed parts of it and so you know it was still star wars um and i think my my friend said to me when he was trying to persuade me because he he was the same he wasn't overly keen on the last jedi but he said he says look man you gotta you gotta understand these these are kids films these aren't for you they're for yeah. kids and as much as you know you want these things to be uh, extensions of your own sort of you know your own childhood they're not they're 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 the start of somebody else's childhood um and you've just got to accept that so these are kids films these are not adult films and i would say they're more family films to be fair i think there are undertones and things that are absolutely adult though so i would agree that they are family films there's there's something that everyone can take away from them but just to just to quickly, because I realised I didn't really actually mention anything a moment ago when I said that there's things that people miss. One thing that really, really gets on my tits is when people are like, oh, Leia died of a broken... No, Padme, sorry. Died of a broken heart. No, you can't... No. You have to read into that whole thing. In my personal opinion, Palpatine killed her. Killed her. Palpatine killed her. Thank yeah, you. Wow, you're one of the few people that I've met who actually when, when, gets that. When, <laughs> Thank you. When, when Vader's on the train, he says, "Is Padme safe?" And, and yes. Looking at his face, he goes, um, "In your anger, yes. you 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 killed her." And he goes, "No, she was still alive. I felt it." And as he says, "No," you can see the grin and the smile on Palpatine's face. How did um, he even know? He was you like, yes. "He did it. Come on, he you did know. it." did it. <laughs> I, thought that was, I thought that was like the Thank major you. sort of open secret fan theory about what happens. Do, do, is that, no, is that no, you read into it. You watch them and you read into it, man. It's there. It's all there. No, no, all that's of what I'm saying. There. I thought that, that was like the open <laughs> sort of consensus that, that that's what happened. See, yeah, no, my friends that. disagree. Well, they don't disagree, but they never thought that and they always continue to think that she oh, would die of a broken heart. And I, until I told them that they were like, oh. Palpatine killed her. I mean, if, if Jedi's can, if Jedi's can basically life. ask, yeah, he, you know, Palpatine created Anakin. Let's let's say that outright. The words midi chlorian as well um, is mentioned. I think only in Phantom Menace, and then never fucking uttered ever again. <laughs> um, Let's you know, um, he he was four. You know, he uh, she gave birth to him again. Okay, Palpatine created life. Palpatine created Anakin Skywalker because he needed um, a dip to the scales of things that were happening. He needed um, an ace um, in the deck that he could play at any time, and he played Anakin really well over I'd... the um, over I'm... the years. I'm intrigued by what you're saying about he created Anakin. I mean, I totally believe that it's as it was said, you know, he was a creation of the force just as I think they say Yoda is as well. Um, And yeah, he totally is there to tip the scales and bring balance, which is actually what he does. does. (laughs) As bad as that is. There's, there's been a a discussion. I think it's for years now that Palpatine, um, kind of what's the the words to use he 
Oh, it's so hard to get the right words in. Um, the same way he took life from Padme, he, he was able to take the life from Padme. He was mm. able to create life with Anakin through the teachers of his um, Sith Lord of Darth Plagueis. He was mm. able to teach uh, Palpatine um, so much of the ways of the dark side that he was able to create, without even knowing it, create life and didn't even realize Anakin um, was that powerful until he first meets him on Naboo and he says we shall watch your progress you know with uh, your progress with great interest because he mm. knows okay. that you're the one I've, you're the one I've been looking for oh shit mm. I had never so, okay this is new to me <laughs> and obviously it goes on it goes further and further and further oh. that's when he starts to I'd like to say inf- he infects Anakin, where Obi-Wan is trying to show him, you know, this is the way there's a Jedi, you know, these feelings, etc, etc. Selling the seeds. Yeah, mm-hmm. and honestly, I think it's Mace, I know I'm going to get hate for this, but I couldn't give a shit. Um, it's Mace Windu that kind of pushes him over the edge yep. to make, that, that. make yeah. that kill. Mm. Um because Anakin's there, he oh, knows he, he has to be. He has to be tried. You know, this is not the Jedi way. Yet, you know, a while ago, you took off the head of somebody else, and you know that wasn't the Jedi way. And once again, influence. It, it, all it's also it not the with... Jedi way to be on the council and not be a master. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, but Mace Windu's it's, it's, a hypocrite. <laughs> it's all to do with influence. It's all to do with influence. You know, Palpatine's influence over Anakin, even though Anakin not knowing it, because he's he said Obi-Wan as a you know the a brother, you know, he, he was his brother. He's never had the father figure and mm-hmm. he's always seen um Palpatine as the father figure, you know, the father he never had. Whereas Obi-Wan was his brother in arms, you know, his he was his his master. Mm. Yeah. So obviously if your brother is telling you, oh don't do this, don't do this, but your father figure is trying to help you he's telling you you what you need to hear you know he's, he's showing you what you need to get your goals without realizing you're working to his goals instead um it's a really careful double-edged sword especially through all the three all the three prequel films but yeah Palpatine through this entire, sh- you know, through, through Star Wars, everybody thinks, oh, it's Anakin's journey, it's Anakin's. I, from the very beginning, always thought it's always been about Palpatine. Mm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the here's star of Star Wars. I, <laughs> he's the like, dad. This is, this is something I've literally just, just kind of popped into my head, so I've, I may not have thought this through kind of carefully enough. Um, but just as you guys w- were talking then, it, it suddenly struck me that the, the timeline may be a bit off then, but if you know, he's got young Anakin and also we know the timeline of when Attack the Clones and finding the cloning facility and everything. Do you think Palpatine may have started cloning earlier as a sort of backup in case Anakin went tits up? Oh, God, yes. Oh, wow. Because of Master Cypher Deus um, putting in that order for a clone army. So if Anakin didn't work out, and because in Rise of Skywalker, I'm I'm trying to remember the scene and I may be remembering it wrong, but, you know, there's there's a lot of those chambers and there's, you know, like failed attempts, shall we say, of of previous incarnations. So when do we think that he might have started that a lot earlier 
and so as he's he's playing the long game, so he's got this. He's managed to create his his own experiment. He's a bit like Frankenstein. He's really. master of the long game. <laughs> experiments. Yes. When would they have started? Oh How early could they have started? Mm. And was Anakin like a, a freak success when he was able to to use the Force? So he's got to find this kid. Or and this is I'm not I'm wittering on like crazy now because I've literally just this has just come into my head. As I mean, you're blowing my mind, honestly. I thought I read into this. You're going to have to watch The Rise of Skywalker now. You're going to have to watch it. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just like wondering how 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 long have these pieces kind of been been put in 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 place? Because you know, I, I don't want to say too much because spoilers. Just but... so you guys, yeah, just so you guys know, I heard all the spoilers before the film even came out, and that's how I decided I could right. not be asked to watch it. Just so you know, you should watch it though. You should watch it. You should watch it. <laughs> so don't I... worry about spoilers on my behalf because I've probably heard them. <laughs> with, with Anakin, I don't think Palpatine knew he succeeded until he first met Anakin on Naboo. Mm. Um, you know, because if he'd had known that he'd created the he created life, you know, with obviously, you know, midichlorians and his um you know the the force is strong in Anakin, you know, highest midichlorian count, you know, more than Yoda's, um, you'd have thought he would have sensed Anakin when he was born. But he didn't. So there's more going on there than any of us kind of know. So the cloning, I think it must have started way before. I think just after he tried to uh, create Anakin Skywalker. So I think from like that going forward, it must have started. Because I can't remember how long ago on in um, Attack of the Clones it said on Kamino that Master Sifo-Dyas put in the order for a clone army. I can't well, remember how ten, long. Ten years, pretty much. So it's like Sifo-Dyas' mission is happening almost concurrently with the, event, with the events of Phantom Menace or just afterwards because there's a ten-year gap between um, uh, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Right. Mm. It's something like that. Am I getting that timeline wrong? I, I've got a feeling that right. it's... Sifo-Dyas, when, when they're on the Camino, it's like <laughs> Sifo-Dyas ten years ago. And mm. Anakin is ten in in um, Phantom oh, Menace. Phantom Menace. He's about nine. <laughs> about all nine the titles in Phantom out. Menace, and then yeah, nineteen. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It sounds about right. I think I, something like that. Yeah. I I feel bad for Hayden Christensen because I think he gets a bad rap as well. I don't mind. Him. I know. I think he. I, 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 yeah. Okay. On the topic of the actors, I'm just going to put this out there. All of the actors in in Star Wars are great actors right they're they've gone on they've done crazy stuff afterwards there's no way you i don't you know even hayden himself has got went on and did some other stuff after that and was great in it and i can't help feeling that even when like natalie portman's acting is not necessarily fantastic in it that actually it's not a coincidence maybe it was just over direction because it was mm. so clear that certain things have, needed to be you, in a certain way to convey not heard all the stories about the actors and george lucas and the fact that he doesn't no, have actors oh he doesn't there's doesn't um, he no no he's maybe. he's technically oh. minded he's brilliant but he's not an actor's director and there's even a story of Mark Hamill being very, very young, and he was getting frustrated. He got on very, very well with Alec Guinness and was was talking to him about um, acting and stuff. And I'm sure that there's, there's a story about Mark Hamill being on the set of A New Hope. 
and he's getting frustrated because he's getting nothing from Lucas. So he decides to play the scene by taking the piss out of George Lucas. Right. And at the end of the scene, Lucas goes, perfect, cut. And Mark Hamill goes, oh my God, I'm playing you. This is your story as a young kid being stuck in a dirtball planet. Okay, wait, I've got this now. <laughs> oh, oh no, I, I hadn't heard wow. about that at all. Wow. But I don't know, to uh, me, it just seemed like maybe it was something to do with direction. Like, is and George that was Lucas why. He's not it... known for communicating to actors particularly so, well. He yeah, has great vision then. and everything, and but, but in order it, to get to the crux of a scene... But it also, it, when you think about it, obviously this was, I mean, a lot of what the prequels did was kind of new revolutionary tech, right? I don't, I'm not great oh, yeah. with dates, guys, so to yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, was, but, was but, but his acting with green screens and this sort of thing, kind of a newish thing, right? Or yeah. So yeah. if you contribute that to it as well, you then think, well, actually, they probably just had a pretty tough time like doing that because none of them are bad actors today and haven't been in anything else that i've seen any of them in um so i mean he's like a farmer now or something hidden christensen isn't he he's like a, yeah <laughs> like a farmer yeah yeah so, was and, in, what was and, it called jumpers you know, was it was the other film he did called yeah, Jumper, yeah, Jumper, yeah. Jumpers, i yeah. thought he was great in that yeah. honestly i i really liked that i film, enjoyed but... it yeah god i've just um you know. with with revenge of the sith um it's James Earl Jones's voice at the end, um, obviously when Hayden mm. makes the full transition to Darth Vader. Yeah, he's uncredited in um, in the film as Darth Vader's voice, mm. and I didn't find I didn't find out until later on that he asked not to be credited um, because he considered Dave Prowse to be the defining. Um, Darth Vader, you know, the guy in the suit, because it yes. was obviously Hayden Christensen in the suit at the time. And he asked not to be credited, which I thought, wow, um, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Because with Vader, obviously, James Earl Jones's voice being so iconic as, you know, the guy, um, to then ask for that. So yeah. that always struck me as like because I kept I keep looking at the credits of James Earl Jones, James Earl Jones, and he's just not there. No, no, mm. he ain't. But then, if you've ever seen the outtakes, um, like the like the shots when they actually have Dave Prowse just obviously doing the lines, and you think, hmm, wouldn't it have been great if they did just actually have his voice dubbed over for the yeah. for the whole film? Yeah, what's that? There's that. Um, there's that Netflix film. Yeah, um, I am your father. I am your father, and it which is, quite... is such a hard watch because yeah. it's. Um, because it makes you realise, you know, how hard done by Dave Prowse actually was. Because he, he like, I mean, yeah, there's always going to be two sides to every story. But from what you can tell, he was not told the truth on so many things in the films. And then there was the big story about how apparently he was dropping spoilers for Star Wars. And he was like, well, no, it never was me. And it wasn't until like 30 odd years later that the journalist who broke the story said, Oh yes, no, I, I that wasn't true. Um, it wasn't Dave Prowse, and it's like, and they still yeah. wouldn't let him in the, any of the conventions. No, no they would no, because that was it. It was. I've a not heard about any of this. Just so there, there's a film uh, you've got in Netflix. It's called "I Am Your Father," and it's basically about okay. Dave. It's about Dave Prowse and how basically he was um, rumored to have let slip that um, Luke 
was the son of Darth Vader oh, uh, before he came in. Now, you know, he denies it. He's always denied it and said it wasn't him. And uh, basically he got banned from, he, he basically got sidelined and they were really pissed off with him. And they basically, they even got another actor in, in certain points to sort of play. They got two other actors. Yeah. Because you had someone else that was a, a body double, see while he was wearing the suit. And then you had the um, the other actor that was obviously Darth Vader when he got unmasked. Yeah, and they didn't let him have that scene. So, they, you oh. know, after all of that, they didn't give him the scene that, you know, he, he should have rightfully had. And um, he was banned from conventions and he was banned from anything sort of... Yeah. Uh, st- and, at the you know, the film basically, you know, the, the journalist basically says, you know, it wasn't him. Well, he didn't do it and stuff. And, uh, you know... To, from the to this point now he's not allowed to go to star wars conventions he's not allowed to go to uh celebration you know he's not allowed to go to any of those things wow. and they basically what they did the filmmakers i think they're spanish filmmakers um yes. they they did a reshoot of the last scene where luke uh unmasks vader but they give it and they they let david prowse play it and um, they they only ever got the show at once at a convention, and and that's it. Nobody's ever and seen it the since. Cease so. and desist was hit literally about I think they said about like five minutes after the clip had been shown. Yeah, and so obviously it's never been distributed online. It's never been released. It's never been shown again. And it's it not you know it's one of the things that I think we said before when we were discussing this. It sounds horrible. It sounds very morbid. But I reckon that, you know, one day we are... It's going to be, like, long after Dave Brass has sadly passed, but I think we will see that footage one day, and then we'll go, like, my God, this is brilliant. And I think, you know, to... I think it meant a lot to him to actually finally get that scene. Yeah. But then you're always going to be thinking, you know, well, what if he'd been given that part originally? And his life, his career may have been a completely different thing altogether if he'd actually been given that chance to show but his face. What's the, the question? Why the fuck didn't that journalist say something sooner? No because idea. journalists are wankers. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. it's just, you know, and it's, I think, I, you know, there was... That's seriously disappointing. Yeah. Well, and, you know, like I said, there is always two sides to a story, but I've I've met him a couple of times and stuff, you know, and he's such a nice guy. And it's just like, I just, you know, even if he'd sort of maybe saw, he'd said something, you know, by mistake, it didn't deserve what he got. I don't hmm. think, and it was very much, you know, overreaction, and the guy's life got, you know, you know, sidelined. I think he's kind yeah, of sidelined. Uh, and you know, he he wouldn't have made a good voice actor for Darth Vader. His uh, he was a, he's, he's got this West Coast sort of, you know, West Country sort of, you know, uh, you know, Norfolk and sort of thing going on, and he obviously did, you know, Earl Jones his voice is Darth Vader, but they should have given him that last scene where he could see his face, you know, after... Yeah. Even after, if it was dubbed. Even yeah. if it was dubbed, even they dubbed, should, they should have, have still had him on the screen. They should have had him. And, uh, it, you know, it's quite sad. It's quite sad to watch. Um, but yeah. Can I... I would Something I would love to see uh, on the note of Darth Vader with no helmet, I really would love to see, like, Hayden done in the burnt makeup, all of that shit. I just want to see, like, a call back and give him that moment as well because mm. after so many people shat on him I feel like that was that was really sad yeah well, they put his force it, ghost so. in the end of Return of the Jedi I think yes that's yeah. uh, more than enough for him uh, that, make, that makes me oh, see, sad I don't, I don't know I don't like that but I, I don't like the fact that Sebastian Shaw got, got removed in that yeah. bit that makes me sad no I don't like that either really um, yeah 
but yeah. Right. Anyway, th- this is now officially the longest podcast we've had. <laughs> 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 this is what happens when you incite Star Wars. Yeah. Well, do you know, that was that was really good. I did good. try and warn you, John Joe. I did try. And no, yes. no, that was brilliant. That I know, was, I know. And the thing really is, is that you know we we fed to Matt's strong points, and um, <laughs> Matt's the kind of guy who literally just goes, "Oh, Star Wars, yes." Um, I will. I will let the chaos ensue, <laughs> um, and that's that's just literally that's yeah. like oh yeah, that's like three quarters of the programming done. Yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah, but um, yes, we'll we'll leave it there because it's getting slightly late. Um, and we've been on for two hours, which it was it was good going <laughs> considering we generally only there go on for an hour. Six of us. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yes. Uh. Thank you very much, uh, Erica. That's been an absolute pleasure. Um, uh, are there anything, you know, what do people need to go and see? Any websites? Any, what, give us your, your plug. Okay. Um, if anyone would like to follow me personally as an actor, you can find me on Twitter at Erica Sanderson or uh, Facebook and Instagram as well at Erica Sanderson Actor. Um, shows that you can find me in would be uh, the No Sleep podcast, uh, which is released weekly. Um, there are free stories every week. And then there's also a season pass subscription that kind of doubles all of your content and you get bonus stories as well. And with Halloween coming up, all of your horror is taken care of um there are various other shows that i appear in um fantastic ones uh there's shadows at the door there is the wicked library there is victoria's lift there is creepy um those are all kind of like the horror or ghost story ones that i have appeared in so get your fill of spooky tales for this october and then also if you can uh the live stream on halloween um over at unbound theater sorry twitch tv forward slash unbound theater and support theater and your local arts as much as you can brilliant there you go (laughs) brilliant well yes again uh, an absolute pleasure uh the horror aside and the uh, and the star wars knowledge all 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 brilliant very good very much enjoyed it um so for tonight i've been matt geary uh with me as always has been peter ray allison Uh, good night stay safe and look out for each other john joe cosgrove take care friends one and all um josh varney oh, <laughs> uh, newbie eleanor mean may the force be with you <laughs> and uh, and our special guest erica sanderson thank you very much thank you very much thank everyone you. good night night bye bye